One race, 2G buy it, winner takes all. I don't have any cash, but I do have the pink slip to my car. You brave, you brave. You're in. We all feel better. We all feel better in the dark. In conclusion, if you find yourself falling asleep, having a dream child in the middle of a nightmare, while you're trying to wake up when you're being chased by a guy with razors on his fingers, and you don't know it's a new nightmare, and then you got Jason, he's got an axe, got Kelly rolling, she's not saying, nightmare baby, nightmare baby, nightmare baby. H-Y. Once upon a time on a Super Bowl night, two guys from BK brought the points to life. Gave you some previews and some laughs. Wasn't no big thing, no one thought it would last. Then one started growling at the mention of a chick. The other guy would lose it every time he got pissed. Next thing you know, they got a good fan base. So they said, what the hell, let's continue the pace. No stone uncovered, they will take on a topic. Might bring on a guest, and together they rock it. Cause they're in like Flint, too much is a cool. If you don't know the beautiful one, they'll take you to school. I'm talking about Tom, DJ, and Derek Ferguson. The best podcast out, hands down, it's set. So in the tub, in the car, if you're chilling in the park. Welcome to another show of Better in the Dark. Uh, listen up, the men we're after are professional runners. They like speed and guaranteed to go down the hardest possible way. So make sure you got your underwear on. We find them, we take them as a team, and we bring them back. And above all else, we don't ever, ever let them get in the cars. Perhaps he's 10 hours old and counting, man. How about we settle this on the black side? The losers will hand over the team. What are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you. You almost had me. You never had. You never had your car. And until we get back in touch with you. Go watch that movie. Right, Devin? Go watch that movie. <laughs> this was supposed to be the summer of speed. The now it's the fall of speed, which sounds like a really bad Brett Ratner directed sequel. It sounds like the sequel to yeah, yeah. Speed Cruise Control. Yeah. <laughs> speed three, the, the fall, fall of speed. speed. Yeah. But actually, what it started out to be, we were we were going to do a series this summer right. where we were going to cover movies based and themed around cars. We were going yeah. to do Vanishing Point, right. Smokey and the Bandit. But Tom hadn't seen Smokey and the Bandit yet. By the so way. We have seven films to get through for Smokey and the Bandit. No, we don't. Yes, we do. I'm discussing Smokey and the Bandit, and that's it. As far as I'm concerned, there's only one. How are we going to go through seven movies when they only made four? They made seven. No shit. Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit 2. Right. Smokey and the Bandit 3. Smokey is the Bandit. Bandit, right. Then we have the four USA movies. Now, see, those I never heard of and did not know about. You've taught me something new. Okay. Okay. The good news is they're all available as the sole occupancy of something called the Seven Disc Outlaw Pack, which collects the entire Smokey and the Bandit movies. Really? Um, and they have names like Beauty and the Bandit. Bandit, Bandit, Bandit. Who plays Bandit? To be honest, not sure, but they made four of these. To be honest with you, I had never heard of. But then again, a lot of people don't yeah. know, and I know that you probably know, that there were four sequels to Midnight Run. Yeah, and a lot of people, when I tell them, they said, no, that wasn't. It was just the one. That, I said, no, it was on TV for a while. It's part of that action right. pack. With, remember the martial arts themed one? What was that? Native uh, Son or... 
Rising Sun. I Rising think. Sun. Right. Yeah, the guy that came from Beijing, China, he came mm-hmm. to America to look for his. It was updating a kung fu, pretty much yeah. what it was. I'm trying to think what the guy's name was. The guy he was recently on the show with Kathy Baker. You know who I'm talking about, if you know. But he's the guy that played the Rob De Niro role. Right. But getting back to what we were supposed to be talking about. No, I did not know about the yeah, sequel so because have... I've seen Smokey and the Bandit two, which I right. didn't like at all. Smokey is the bandit where Jerry right. Reed takes over. Mm-hmm. And you know what they was originally going to do? Right. Jackie Gleason was going to play both roles. Right. He was going to play the bandit <laughs> and sheriff. So, uh, yeah, much as I like Jerry Reed, I didn't like. They should have just had him play his snowman character. Mm-hmm. If we got to do him, we'll do him. But as far as I'm concerned, there's only one Smokey in the okay. bandit, and that's it. <laughs> and we were going to do... Well, we were going to do, do the Ron Howard films. The Ron Howard Those early Ron Howard films. Eat My Dust, yeah. Grand Theft Auto. There we go, I need yeah, we were going to do all of those things. And we're still going to do them. It's just, it's going to be stretched yeah. out now through yeah. the fall. Because <laughs> that so often happens. You know how me and Tom are. We yeah. like to keep it loose. We like to keep it light. Even though we had a schedule, something else came up we wanted yeah. to talk about. We said, well, screw it. We'll bump it later on. We'll do mm-hmm. this right now. Which is all right. It's fun for you. It's fun for me. So it's yeah, all good. Everybody. But we're going to get to that. But I promise yeah. you, we are going to get to that. And we're going to start the fall of speed. <laughs> Does it have the same ring? We should just keep on calling yeah. it the summer of speed. Even though we'll yeah. be in the middle of Halloween and we're still going to call it the summer yeah. of speed. <laughs> With the thing that inspired us to build an entire promotion around car films. What's that? Which is last year when Fast Five came out, we were doing a review and you said, you know what we should do for next year? We should do the entire Fast and the Furious series. So we're going to go back and we're going to look at all five Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, because we went kind of gaga over the last one, Fast Five, mm-hmm. which I think both of us agree is probably the one that we enjoyed the most. Right. I, mean, I thought Fast Five was a hoot and a half and it was enjoyable. And also it was a way of reinvigorating the franchise, the franchise to take it off in a new direction, which I thought was very intelligent. Yeah. And in fact, they are going to go As opposed to the other time they tried to reinvigorate the franchise. Right. But this time... I think they got it right because the next one this will be going to Europe it's going yeah. to take place and they're going to hunt down yeah the, the Michelle Rodriguez character. character yeah that's what we're going to do today we're going to take a look at the Fast and the Furious movies and I'm also going to talk briefly about the first both are because I saw it too oh you saw it too yeah, yeah. I own it for God's sake. remember it's in that Roger Corman Cars and Babes pack I bought for five bucks at Kmart oh my god uh, a friend of mine he let me hold <laughs> the entire right. thing and it's also on Netflix the entire movie you can watch for free on YouTube, and if you go to the Ferguson Theater, where I have a review of the movie up there, I've got a link on there, Mm -hmm. you can just watch it there, but it's on Netflix, which is where I watched it at, and I said, oh, okay, well, (laughs) great title, lousy movie, but for you Roger Corman fans, you might want to check this out, since the original Fast and Furious was one of his early efforts. Before we get to that, we do have some... We We got mail... Here comes the listener mail. We gotta get a listen to mail from our listeners. We have to get a theme song for that. You made up one, man. Kind of of like Craig Ferguson has one when he does his email and stuff like that. Eric, you made up one and it was kind of like what I just did. I did? We have to go back and we have to find the exact line. Okay. But you made up one and that was the one I was trying to evoke just now. Yeah, but I make shit up all the time. I know. We all do. I'm a writer. We all do. That's our deal. The first one is from James Terry. And James says, hello, I found your podcast a couple of months ago and have been listening 
listen to them as fast as I can. Wow. I enjoyed the Bond series and the Doctor Who ones, but I have really enjoyed our When You Have a Guest On. Will we be seeing Lord Bloodraw or Eric Frome on again anytime soon? Keep up the good work, James Terry. Thank you, James. Welcome to the family. You've pulled up a chair at the Facebook page and everything else, and you're continuing to follow. And also, if you liked our reviews, then you know yeah. that you can go. Tom has a page where he reviews movies. Damn your uh, eyes, damn, damn your ears. ears. Which somebody says that they love the fact that it's die, die. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was really cool. They love that. And I also have the Ferguson Theater where I review movies at. Guest stars. Everybody loves guest yes. stars. Well, this Wednesday, the 25th, we're going to be getting together for our annual hangout with one of our favorite guest stars. Des Reddick. Des Reddick. And we're going to do our obscure horror movie episode. And the, we're going to hopefully get a couple of other episodes done. The patriarch of the first family yep. of Better in the Dark. Yeah, so we'll definitely do the obscure and, horror movie. We might do Larry Cohen yeah, if we have enough time and, to do uh, that. The one I really think we should get to, though, even before Larry Cohen, is the Don Coscarelli episode, which we promised way back in our early, early days. Yeah, but you and Dez got a hard on for Larry Cohen, so we'll probably end up doing what? that. You don't like Larry Cohen? Yeah, I like Larry Cohen. I, now listen, the man made Black Caesar. Who don't like right. Black Caesar? If you don't like Black Caesar, you ain't got no business listening to this podcast. Yes. We love us a Black Caesar. Lord Bloodrod is definitely somebody. Yeah, we should probably get this set up within the next month before, of course, September hits. And his busy season. Yeah, starts yeah. Cause, because right. we definitely want to start work on those Universal Monster movies. Right. He was, he a was lot. such he, a fun. He, he was, was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Now, with Eric Frome, we were supposed to have back on to do the second part of the Star Trek. Eric Frome is busy being a daddy. <laughs> He's Which is why we haven't been bothering him. <laughs> yeah. Because his yeah. boys can swim. Yeah. Eric Frome is busy being a daddy these days. Yeah. His time is limited, as it rightly should be. He should be spending time with his wife and his children, taking care of But what we'll do is that, yeah, yeah, I'll contact him because, as a matter of fact, Eric sent me an email not too long ago. Because me and Eric used to talk on Skype almost every week. So I'm going to drop him a line and see if he can set up something. There is a certain very famous writer who is now getting messages again on Facebook Mm -hmm. who already told me he wants to be on the show. And I mean a very famous writer who I have interviewed a number of times and I've talked to, I consider him somewhere between acquaintance and friend. He's mm-hmm. a great guy and I'm really excited about having him on. Okay. We just have to line up the Shall dates. we say who it is? Well, I don't want to in case something falls through again. Yeah, because we were supposed to have him on before. Earlier yeah, this year. Yeah, and and then did. for some bizarre reason, because we were interacting with him through Facebook. Yeah. His Facebook pages stopped getting messages, yeah. now they're getting them again, so we're going to try to get... So we're going to try to hook that up. And I'll tell you what, when we lock it down, 100% yeah. for sure, we'll let you know via our Facebook page right. who it's going to be. But it's somebody I've enjoyed every conversation I've ever had with him, so I'm really looking forward to that. Who else have we talked about? We've talked about a number of people. We, you know who we haven't had on for a while? And he's pretty much a regular guest host. Who? We haven't had Kalen on again. We haven't had him on since Jeff. We actually missed. Usually we have him on for one show in February. For the, well, all we gotta do is just drop him that's an email true, yeah. and he'll be on. Because I know usually we've had him on for one episode in February for Black History Month. Right. And yet we dropped the ball this year. I guess we were so busy with other things. Yeah, well, we got time. Well, to be fair, because I was doing my book and you yeah. were doing your book, which is going to be coming out. Will we get to that? Plug, we get to plug, our, plug. When we get to our endless indicia. Shameless, shameless <laughs> plugs. 
we are certainly not averse to yeah. guests. Mostly it's just a matter of scheduling, right. finding the time when yeah. they're free and when we're yeah. free. That's my I, I know we've talked to Ron Fournier, who was part of episode 99, to come back and talk about the art of movie soundtracks. Right. And we've been trying to get Russ Anderson on for Coon's Age. We well, Russ is another one who's yeah. busy being he a daddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> this time is kind of... Li- That's why there's no How the West Was Weird 3 this year. Yeah. Because he's busy being a daddy, as rightfully so. We want to say, if you would like to be a guest host, here's what you should do. You should contact us at our email, mm-hmm. betterinthedarkatearth2.net. That's betterinthedarkatearth-2.net. Now, here's the thing, though. Just saying, I want to be a guest host isn't going to cut it. If you have a subject that you want to talk about... There's got to be something specific. Something specific that we think we, it would be fun to do an episode on, we'll have you on. Yeah. Also, it occurs to me, we will be coming up probably between six months and a year on episode 150. And I'm wondering, since we had so much success with the last anniversary episode, where we opened it up to a free-form discussion with the listeners... Mm-hmm. If we'd like to do that again. Well, once again, I'm going to leave it up to our wonderful listeners. If you guys would like for episode 150 to be a call-in show where you get to call in, let us know via our Facebook page. And we'll start working on it. While we are talking about this now. And Tom is going to the Facebook page I'm going to the Facebook page right this second. And he's going to throw up something on there, but by all means, let us know. And as Tom was saying earlier, you do not have to be a professional to be a co-host on the show. All of you have something valid to say. You all have movies and subjects that you're passionate about. By all means, it's not a closed door. If you would like to be a co-host, and as Tom said, if you think that you got something interesting that would be something fun to talk about and that we could get the Willie Bobo about for an hour or two, by all means, let us know and we'll set it up. Mostly it's just a matter of scheduling. Tom and I record on Fridays, usually. Usually more often than not. It depends a lot upon As my, in the case of Des yeah. Reddick. Now, we'll be getting together this yeah. coming Wednesday, which we don't usually do. But Des is off from work. He's on vacation. Right. Tom has that day off. And me, I'm a lazy bum. So all of our schedules coincide, and it works out that we can do this on a Wednesday. Now, I'm going to say this. We can't do this for everybody. It may not work for everybody. And we're going to be honest. When we were talking with this big-name author, he was going to be able to be, to do it on Sunday. On Sundays. With Lord Bloodraw also. The first time we did Lord Bloodraw, we did it on a Sunday because his schedule was such that he could only... Right. But the thing is, of course, these are people who have... How do I put this without making it seem like we're being derogatory? Well, tell me, and I'll put it... These are people who have a little bit more stature. These are name people. These are name people. These are people with stature. He won't say it, but I'll say it. We are name people. Now, that's not to say we won't be accommodating to you. If you say, listen, I want to talk about the movies of, say, okay, Frank Darabont. Yeah. Cool. Now... If you just tell us, I can't do it until 4 o'clock in the morning. Why 4 o'clock in the morning? Because right. I'm up all night long. See, oh. that's not an answer. <laughs> no, we're not going to do it 4 o'clock in the morning just because you like staying up all night long. Oh. Let's be reasonable here. But Tom and I have no problem with doing our best to Giving accommodate. Us enough to, of advance to co- Right, to accommodate yeah. Saying you want to be on, we set up an appointment, and then you say a week before recording date, oh, I can only do it now Thursday between the hours of 7 and 8 p.m. That's not going to work. So, I've already just posted, so we'll see what people think. Okay. We move on to the next letter. Yes. This is from a voice from our past. Jason Trenner. Holy shit, who let him in here? I don't know. (laughs) 
Jason Trenner says, wonderful episode, guys. I honestly found your looking at the minor leagues, a.k.a. indie films, extremely interesting and insightful. Is wanting to dub the current indie film Fart House, as in a reference to their foul stench, and hope they just go away too crass. With some luck, the indie scene will yes, collapse it in on itself, and the real indie stuff will not have to deal with the fart house material stinking up the airwaves. This is one thing about the violence of Hunger Games I like to point out. From what I've heard, it was so shaky cam crap that, yes, it was kids that were killing each other, but good luck being able to tell who did what. Which is a shame, as it should be been hunger dogs killing each other instead of kids. I have to agree about Avengers vs. X-Men. I avoided fear itself like the plague, and they undid 99% of anything done in that story. I don't hold A vs. X being any better or frankly worth bothering with. And you guys forgot Superboy Prime got not only turned into a deranged asshole, but also into the straw man of whiny fanboys. Frankly, if I had Superboy Prime's powers, I wouldn't complain on DC forums. I'd go and at least hover in their offices trying to look menacing. Or heat ray a few writers. I didn't like. Plus had the option of curling the whole building into the sun. And yeah, the DCNU has proven to be a disappointment in that going by what I've heard, it only raises comic levels up to what they were a few years ago. And oddly, more secret organizations than frankly were necessary, but no question being like his Justice League Unlimited version around. Then again, that would require knowing what they were doing. DC has never been able to do a reboot or keep from making more problems for themselves. And on an indie film producer getting Transformers 5, I wouldn't mind that. Then again, my love of the Transformers burns bright, and I feel I could get them back on track by Wanta murdering the fools and in need of a straitjacket mental cases Michael Bay seems to think are important by the Decepticons and make the film about the Transformers. Yeah, I know that's a pipe dream, but it gives me pleasure. Keep up the good work, Jason. You went back and forth between four or five different things there, but that's okay. We uh, like variety. Okay. Interesting thing. Yeah. I actually did watch Transformers Dark of the Moon. Okay. Jason used to send me emails begging me to review Transformers, and I never did it because I have zero interest in yeah. Transformers, as everybody knows. But I saw Transformers Dark of the Moon because my nephew was over, and he said, oh, Uncle Jerry, we got to watch Transformers. I said, how many times have you seen already? Five. And again... I am totally amazed at how incomprehensible these movies are. Mm -hmm. The only robots that I could tell was the one that was voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Right. The bad guy. And Optimus Prime. That's it. The rest of them, I can't make heads or tails out of whatever. What was the Star Trek line that they had him say? Oh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs uh. of the one. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just go all the way, Michael? It's, uh, This is illogical, Decepticons. Yeah. But... I'm watching this movie, and the character played by Shia LaBeouf, his life is supposed to be so sucky, because mm -hmm. he can't get a job, but yet, this is a guy who has had two supermodel-level yeah. girlfriends. Yeah. They got rid of Megan Fox for this, well, I don't know, but he's got... Well, they got rid of Megan Fox, and she called Michael Bay a Nazi. Well, Mark went up in the wind column for Megan Fox, <laughs> but apparently he's picked up this gorgeous blonde supermodel type girlfriend. Sophie Huntington, uh, something, something. He's been to the White House and he's yeah. got the Congressional Medal of Honor from President Obama because yeah. they have it in the movie. But yet, you've got all this. Why can't you get a job? It seems to me that the movie it makes absolutely no sense. So, going on to the other parts of his email, mm -hmm. what was the other parts again? To be honest. It's so little sense, I don't think I my brain registered it. Oh, okay. Well then, let's move along then. Okay. Be focused, people. <laughs> we love you, but you have to be more focused. Should we begin by getting us out of the way and talk about the first film, the 1955 black and white, Roger Corman-directed extravaganza? No, I, I don't believe he directed it. I think he just produced it. Okay. I'd have to look that up. Anyway, 
Roger Corman had a part in this. Okay. It's his fault. <laughs> okay. We're going to put it on that basis, huh? Yeah. Roger Corman had a part in it. <laughs> Was involved in it somehow. <laughs> this is where they got the name The Fast and the Furious from, and that's pretty much it. They just bought the rights to the movie just to get the title, because yeah. it's a cool title. It was directed by John Ireland, who oh, was also the star of it, yeah. yeah. And it was Samson, and it was produced by Roger Corman, written by Gene Howell and Jerome... But I'm you know what the difference is? What? John Ireland is dead. Roger Corman still can take blame. Yeah. The direction of this movie is so slow. Yeah. Let me say one thing about this movie. It is neither fast nor is it furious. furious. No. Going by the Ferguson law of truth in advertising, the movie sucks on that basis. By that basis, the film should more accurately be called The Doll and the Strident. Yeah. John Ireland, he's a crook on the run. We don't know yeah. exactly what it is that he did at first. We don't know. Then we find out that he accidentally caused the murder of mm. a trucker. So the cops are looking for him, and not only that, the yeah. truckers are looking for him too, because they right. say, well, we got to take care of one of our own. John Allen gets to a diner. With the cops closing in on him, he kidnaps this woman, played by Dorothy Malone, who's driving a Jaguar, yeah. and he leaves with her. She's on her way to a race mm -hmm. from the United States to Mexico. Now, for a man on the run, this is his first time on the run, so right. apparently he's not thinking straight. He thinks it's a good idea mm -hmm. to use the race as a cover to get to Mexico. And freedom. Yeah. During the time that they're together, naturally they fall in love. You hear a lot of Chet Baker on the soundtrack. Yeah, he decides to run the race for yeah. her. And at the end of the movie, he turns himself in because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And he's falling in love. We are only reviewing this movie for the sake of complete sin. I yeah. think I should point that out. Let's put it on the line here. According to the story, Roger Corman got a hold of a lot of stock footage of racing. Yeah. And you could tell us a lot yeah. of stock footage that's used in this movie. So he went to John Ireland and said, hey, I've got some stock footage of racing. Make a movie. Right. And this is what we got. Which is what Roger Corman, that's his like style of filmmaking. Yeah. And of course, somebody gives you an opportunity to direct, you're not going to turn it down. Yeah. So that's what he did. This is not a very good movie by any stretch of the It's a typical sort of 1950s B-movie filler with all those weird digressions like the two things where Dick Miller and his buddy playing motorcycle cops. Yeah. Literally, sit on a log for mm. three minutes and talk about who's lazier. Yeah, yeah. It's not a very good movie. You can see the whole movie for free on YouTube. You can go to the Ferguson Theater. I've got a link to it there. It's on Netflix. I have no idea why you would want to see it. Right. Unless, of course, you are a Roger Corman fan and you would just want to mm -hmm. complete your education of the Roger Corman way of filmmaking. And this is a good example of yeah. how Roger Corman didn't make films. But Roger Corman could make a movie in a week. We bragged about it. He said, I can yeah. turn around a movie right. in, in a week. And this is what it was for the time. Mm -hmm. This was just something that was just supposed to fill out the lower half of a double feature. Right. It's pure product. So, that was going to be it until sometime in, I think it was like 2000 or that mm -hmm. Somebody came up with the idea of doing these street racing movies. Mm-hmm. Starring a then young and up-and-coming guy by the name of Vin Diesel. And they decided, hey, let's make a movie and let's call it The Fast, Fast and, and the, the Furious. Furious. Yeah, 2001 it came out. Rob Cohen, Rob Cohen is, direct, the is the director. Because if you remember, this is what led to their collaboration on Triple X. Which right. was the movie that was supposed to be that whole built, spy franchise yeah. built around Vin Diesel. He probably screwed them and went off and said, well, I'm not going to do the sequel. And uh, they screwed him right back. And they screwed him right the back. Oh, oh, we killed them off. 
and they did the see. But this will be bringing him back. You've yeah. heard about that. Yeah. Now that he's done his time in the Disney mines, he's, okay, I'd like to go back to all my characters, please. Actually, they could have went in a very good way with that Triple X franchise to have a different guy yeah, a different playing story. like Ice Cube was Triple X in the second one and just have mm-hmm. Samuel Jackson as the linking thing. Right. He recruits a different Triple X for each mission. And of course, probably in three we find out that the Samuel Jackson character has been doing double duty as Nick Fury. Yeah. Gets <laughs> cell phone call bill. Give it to Maria. Let her take care of it. Right. Well, we see him in the Triple yeah. X movie. At the very end of one of them, we see him go into a room. He takes out a fake yes. eye and hat. And then he goes and puts on the leather coat and he goes out. <laughs> there we go. Bam. We just wrote another movie, Tom. But yeah. And this whole Fast and Furious thing, the character played by Vin Diesel, Dominic Toretto. Toretto. And Toretto is the leader of a gang. They're street racers, mm-hmm. but they're also hijackers. They're hijackers, yeah. They hijack whatever tractor trailers on the road carrying whatever it is they can sell. is on their ass because they're trying to shut this down before the truckers who are being hit take the law into their own hands. This is about as much as a connection you're going to get to the original as possible. They're truckers and they want to beat the crap out of Toretto. They've enlisted the aid of one of the most dullest leading men in the history of movies. (laughs) Paul Paul Walker has Brian Mm O'Connor and he's been working on undercover at this auto shop. I think he was arrested when he was a kid. Okay, you say Paul Walker is dull. Yes, he may be dull, but I think that through the evolution of all these Fast and Furious movies, Mm -hmm. he doesn't get better as an actor, but he gets better at playing Brian O'Connor. Yeah. Let me put it that way. He's been playing a character for four going on five films. Yeah. Now, the only one he's not in is three. Right. Which is Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift. Which right, that's only one he's, he's not in. But I think that, and this is why I like the Brian O'Connor character, that right from the start, he's questioned in that everybody else he meets in the movie, whether what he's side of the law, whatever side of the yeah. law that they're on, recognizes the fact he's a better crook than he is a cop. Cops don't... I think Ted Levine calls him out on it in the first film, because Ted Levine is his boss. Is his handler, yeah. Right. The, the whole, whole character arc. The whole character arc that he has is when he gets to Fast Five, he finally realizes realizes his yeah. true nature and says, you're right, I am a better crook mm-hmm. than I am a cop. And I think he's an interesting actor in that regard. It is amusing that every character in these movies, no matter what side of the law they're on, recognizes this about his nature right. that he doesn't recognize himself. So he works his way into Toretto's organization. Right. Becomes romantically entangled with Toretto's sister. His sister. Played by Jordana Brewster, who at this point looks like a fetus. <laughs> Oh, you are hard. No, 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 no. You know when I really started buying into Jordana Brewster? When? Has a character and has a hot chick. When she got behind the wheel of a car. Which she doesn't really get behind in this first film. In this first film, she's in the kitchen all day cooking stuff. Well, see, that's why I like Jordana Brewster. Because she doesn't look like a hot chick. That's why I like most of the women that are in The Fast and the Furious, with the exception of Eva Mendes, who you don't care for anyway. I mean, she does look like... She looks about as much as an undercover cop as I do. We'll get to Eva. I really, really, really want to be Don't say it again. Yeah, I mean... Mendes. Okay, Tom. The horse is dead. You killed that horse. She still has a career. The horse is not dead. You killed that horse years ago. 
horse is not dead. She still has a career. Oh, when my. she doesn't have a career, then the horse will be dead. Uh, are you finished? Yes. Okay. We can go back to movie reviewing now. We can go back now? to talking about the movie reviewing. <laughs> yeah. But Jordana, now there's this weird subplot. Jordana Brewster. She doesn't look like a hot chick. She looks like a regular chick to me. She's one of these people. Uh, we've talked about these kind of actors in the past. The people who kind of have to grow into their faces. Yeah, I got you. At this point, where she's got to be, I think about like maybe twenty or thereabouts. I think probably Vin Diesel was probably the oldest person. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes it doubly funny that Joanna Brewster is, is his sister. Yeah, yeah. But at this point, I think that she's coming straight from the faculty. Mm-hmm. She's got this weird sloping brow mm-hmm. at this point. She's got still a little bit of her baby fat, mm-hmm. and she looks like a fetus. She looks very, very ill-formed. Every time I watched her in this most recent viewing, my eyes kept getting drawn attention to the, her eyebrows, which almost quite count as a unibrow. As she gets older, especially once we hit four and five, she's finally being able to get behind the wheel of a car mm-hmm. and do some action stuff and be able to do some of the, the big boy stuff. Her face, she's getting some lines, Mm-hmm. She gains a little bit of sculpting to her face, mm-hmm. and she becomes, I think, much hotter, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. Okay. And there's this weird subplot about this feud that Toretto has with this Chinese gang. Yeah. Because uh, that's how Brian gets into Toretto's gang. He helps him escape from the cops and also escape from this Chinese gang. Led by Johnny Tran, who's played yes. by Rick Yoon, which usually shows up in these movies playing the same right. type of Chinese mafia type of guy. But he runs his own gang as well. And it's interesting because at one point in the movie, we don't know if it's Toretto's gang that's doing the hijacking yeah. or if it's Johnny Tran's gang. Right. Because Brian gets into their warehouse at one point and he finds all this electronic yeah. stuff and he said, oh shit. Because as we can see, because he's getting deeper and deeper into his undercover role, his loyalties are actually shifting yeah. and he's starting to look for evidence that will clear. Because, of course, I he's falling in love. Part of the thing is, that has Mia, the Joanna Brewster character, explained, all of these people that he's gathered around him are more or less good people. They just have gone down a very bad road. And they're people because since none of them have family, yeah. really. And she says that about Dominic. He brings these people around him, and he's made his own family. And she says, if he brought you into it, that really means that he trusts you. Yeah. And I like that because it actually gives some weight to when Dominic finds out that he's been betrayed by this guy, yes. that he's really grown to really care for a lot and has brought him into his inner circle. It really has some weight. Fast and Furious has got all of these stunts and crazy driving scenes. and blah, blah, blah. But it does have that underlying subtext of what is family and it's old saying but it's true friends are the family that we make for ourselves right. yeah so now you start getting caught up into that and you say yeah yeah okay mm-hmm. matter of fact when I saw this movie originally years ago I remember I didn't care for it too much and then I had to rewatch it for this episode yeah. I found myself paying a lot more attention to the subtext than just the flashy cars and the girls right. so there's a little bit more meat here than I originally thought there was this is right. not by any stretch of the imagination Academy Award winning movie movie, but it is a little bit better than I had originally given it credit for when I first saw it. Right. It's not a great film, and I think a lot of it is because Vin Diesel is able to carry over the rough patches that Paul Williams falls down on. Well, this is because this is Vin Diesel before he became Vin Diesel. Right. So he's really invested into what he's doing in this one, and it shows. He's invested in this role, in this character, 
in carrying Paul Walker over the rough patches because yeah. they haven't seen, which I'm convinced, this is another link to yeah. the original Fast and Furious. Yeah. Remember the diner that he takes him to, Paul Walker? I'm convinced that that's supposed to be the, the same, same diner, diner that okay. was in the original Fast and Furious. And he takes him there and he's talking about yeah. family and loyalty. And Paul Walker's trying his best to look interested in what he's doing. And yeah. Vin Diesel's helping him out as much as he can. You're absolutely right in that. He's very generous. There's a definite difference between the Vin Diesel of this era, the guy who did the minor role in Boiler Room and who was in Pitch Black has the villain mm -hmm. and the Vin Diesel that we see five years later after mm -hmm. he's been in the Disney Mines he's much more invested in his craft I think and is much more interested in creating an inner life for his characters right. and for his connections with the people around him in these films now of course the funny thing is when he comes back to this franchise with Fast and Furious Fast and Furious that sort of generousness is gone from him but because he's been working with these same people, there is a definite kind of echo, and that same sort of connectivity. It comes is, back in it Fast comes Five. Back in Fast in, Five. In Fast yeah, Five, yeah. and also in Fast and Furious. Yeah. Not because he's being this thoughtful actor that he used to be, mm. but because he's so comfortable with yeah. Walker. And Brewster. Michelle Rodriguez, as we'll find out as we get later, is mm -hmm. only in the show very briefly. Mm -hmm. But all these other satellite characters. It ends with the Chinese gangster character forming a drive-by against Toretto. Yeah. That ends up killing the head mechanic, yeah, Jesse. Yeah, the head mechanic, Jesse. Or with, I think he's called Wizard also in the film. Yeah, he got into a race with the Chinese guy, the Johnny Tran, which he should never did because as Vin Diesel told him, you're not a racer, you're a mechanic, stick yeah. with what you're good at. And he lost the car and so the Chinese mafia was looking for him and yeah, they do a drive-by and yeah. kill him and then we have the extended chase where Dominic and Brian, they go after yeah. Johnny and his second in command yeah. and hunt them down and his vengeance and then Dominic and Brian, they've got to yeah. have a final race right. because that's a recurring motive all throughout these yes, movies. There's always who's the, the better, final race. Right. Who's the better driver? Now, I will point out... Who won that race, anyway? Or was it a tie? It was a tie. I and I believe it was a tie. But Brian tells yeah. him, take his car and... I owe you a 10-second car. I owe you a 10-second car. And lets him go. Mm -hmm. And the last shot we see in the film is a post-credit sequence mm -hmm. of Dominic driving in Mexico. In Mexico, yeah. Because there's this whole thing where he talks about he wants to be a free spirit. He wants to just be able to go where he wants and walk this world the way he wants to walk it. Right. That's supposed to be the hint that, yeah, Toretto does get his wish. This movie made a truckload yes, of it money. It made, it made because, several truckloads of money. Let's put aside the plot for a second. The main reason why I think this movie did, it tapped into something that was going on in the public at the point. I mean, there's always an American fascination with cars. It, it became kind of doubly so because you had all this street racing going on. Yeah. And this was a fascination that the public had, and this film just kind Kind of fed it. Well, that's another reason why yeah. I think I developed an appreciation of this movie yeah. when I saw it again for this particular mm -hmm. episode is because I didn't really pay that much attention to the street racing yeah. the culture, culture aspect. Yeah. But when I watched it again, I said, there's really a lot of interesting things here that's going on. One of my real interests is that I'm always fascinated that we have the overall American culture, but so many other cultures mm -hmm. that we have within here that's got its own rituals, its yeah. own language, its own code of ethics and behavior, its own morals. Right. And it's incredibly fascinating to me that all of these cultures are able to exist within the quote-unquote American culture. And they culture. definitely do give us this glimpse into what street racing culture was like circa mm -hmm. 2001. It's very much like a carnography film. It is all about the cars. 
Yeah. And what's underneath the hood and what kind right. of engine you have and are you driving with NAS? Right. Because these guys make a whole big thing about before they're racing, they inspect yeah. each other's cars and yeah. they're looking at it. And, oh. and, and you have the women who are going to give themselves to whoever wins. And the, yeah, yeah. Because you have that one guy, in the. I think this is in the first film, where if you win, you're going to get me regardless, but if you win, you get her as well. Yeah, if you win, you get me. Yeah. And so, well, what do I get if I lose? He said, you get her. And he's yeah. like, whoa, oh, yeah. Yeah. Either way, I win. <laughs> yeah. You see these CGI shots, even the first one, mm-hmm. of you turning the ignition and then you follow the spark as it goes through the right. engine. Or when they turn on the knob, yeah. stuff that gives the car the extra boost. And it shows you what I think Brian burns out the whole engine yeah. when you race and he's laughing. His, his car is flying apart. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. sparks coming everywhere. It's, oh my God. And that's the car that they argue about, 10 second car. Right. All throughout the thing, yeah. I will freely admit that I had dismissed it when I originally saw it, but my opinion of... Folks, let me tell you something. It honestly makes a difference, because I saw all these movies in one day, my... Yeah. I sat down, except for Tokyo Drift. I didn't have that in the collection that right. I had. But it does make a difference when you can sit down yeah. and watch an entire film series in one day. It leads one into the other, and you can see the progression of the stories right. and the characters. Because after a while, when you see one movie and then you see yeah. a sequel a couple years later, of course we don't have that now because thanks to Netflix and right. DVDs and Blu-rays, we can't watch the previous entries in the series before we see the new one. But yeah. back in the early days, folks, we didn't have that. So you would see a movie, and then two or three years later you see it, and your memory isn't as... So you may remember it differently. So, yeah, it was a difference that I could see all of these movies in one day and say, okay, and appreciate it in a different way. The studio knew it had a hit on its hand. Oh, yeah. Which is why, I think I guess we'll touch upon it briefly. We got the short film yeah. in between the first two movies. Yeah, yeah. Turbocharged. Mm-hmm. If you bought the first, the Fast and the Furious DVD, it came with a short film called Turbocharged. Right. Which explained how Brian got from Los Angeles to Miami. To Miami, yeah. It shows him. It's wordless too. I mean, it's wordless. Yeah. Yes, the whole thing is wordless. Where he goes back to his apartment, yeah. and we see him leave his bag, and the cops come and they break in, and they see he's gone, yeah. and that's a dragnet put out for him, yeah. and people looking for him, and we see how he makes his money by racing, yeah. by engaging in local. He goes to wherever the local street racers are, mm-hmm. and he races. There's one point where he runs into a girl, and she yeah. helps him gets away from the cops. And After, of course, that. it's implied Lube and her break something fierce. Yeah, he gets a new car along the way. Yeah. The same car that he drives, which explains why he shows up, up in, in Too Fast to in Too Fury. Fast to Furious driving a different car than the right. one from the end of the movie. Which I thought was pretty clever. It's a nice little movie. You don't find too many movies that will bother to use the DVD medium yeah. and say, let's invest a little bit of money and make a little bridge between the two movies linking them together. Cost much. There's a definite whiff of cheapness about it. But it, but it does its yeah. job. It does exactly what it's supposed to yeah. do. It's supposed to say you've seen this movie. Now since you bought the set, we know you're going to watch yeah. the second one. Here's how it gets from point A to point B. Right. So I can excuse the cheapness. I'm not looking for any big special. Mm-hmm. Say that for the main feature. It's a nice little thing. I like to see people always use the DVD mm-hmm. medium in an innovative way. And I wish more filmmakers would do that. Like when they have a double set with movies. Let's invest a little bit of money and make yeah. a little short movie. Kind of like what the Marvel films did with the Agent Coulson shorts. Bingo. So now we go to... Uh, too Fast, Too, fast, too, too furious. furious. Which I'm going to tell you folks right now. Right now, me 
me and Tom about to get vicious because I like this a lot more than he did. I did not like it he at all. He didn't like it so, at all. Uh, yeah. But I will admit one thing, and I'm going to say yeah. right up front. You're totally right about one thing, my friend. I'm not going to argue with you. This is nothing more than a hopped up episode of Miami Vice. And this is something we're going to see throughout the films, which is that these movies have some crap villains. Yeah. I think this is arguably, of all of them, the worst of the villains. The poorest aspect of yeah. the Fast and the Furious movies are the villains. And the one they've gotten here played by... Cole Hauser. They hired a white Texan. I know what you're going to say. The son of Wings Hauser. He doesn't have an accent in this movie. No, I wasn't about to say that at all. I'm oh, saying... Oh, I'm sorry. They hired a white Texan played mm -hmm. by the son of Wings Hauser, Cole Hauser, mm -hmm. to play a Cuban... Mm -hmm. In what amounts to blackface. This is 2003, people. You're shooting in Miami, for God's sake. Well, they make a big deal out of him being Cuban when there's no reason for yeah. him, the character to be Cuban. He doesn't use an accent. Yeah. He talks just like a regular Miami hood. So why make a big deal out of him being Cuban? Because I think the whole thing is that he wants to go back to Cuba. Yeah. He wants to take the money back to Cuba. And, and overthrow Castro or something. Yeah, some bullshit like that. I don't know. But anyway, Brian Walker is caught by the police. Yes. He, he's at a street race. Yeah. And he's being watched by... That's run by Ludacris. By, run by Ludacris. This is where he makes his first his appearance, appearance in the yeah. movie. He becomes the Jamie of this film. He's the mechanic. He's the guy you get right. your stuff from. And he's apparently pretty well ingrained in this street culture street here in culture. Miami. Because mm -hmm. we see in this opening race, he's kind of friends with another street racer. The first female street racer in the series, mm -hmm. Suki. Who has this weird kind of chibi anime motif to everything that mm -hmm. she does. He's working for Ludacris in yeah. this movie. Ludacris is the guy who organizes these street right. races. One racer doesn't show up. So he right. says, well, I got a guy. And the other racer said, well, if you can have me in five minutes, otherwise yeah. you got to forfeit. So he calls up Brian, who apparently sleeps in the back of the garage, something right. like that. He says, well, get here in five minutes. And that's how we introduce to Suki and Ludacris yes, and all and these other characters. There's the other guy that don't like Brian that much right. right from the beginning. This street race is watched by Monica Fuentes, played by Eva. I really, really want to be that's Raquel not, Welch. See that's, see, that's, see, that's not what happens. What happens? Remember the guy from the first movie? The black cop? They don't know it's Eva Mendez is undercover until later on in the movie. Until after he hooks up with Tyrese Gibson. Oh, God, Tyrese Gibson. Remember? I'm trying to forget some of this stuff. I know. This well, is my least favorite of the films. Is, okay. Let's is, put it right is, out there. Is James Ramar, who's that the local cop. Right. The black guy from the first movie yes, who's I FBI. That okay. Guy. Yes. Because he's tracked Brian all the way there. Right. And they're the ones that approach him with the deal and they say, We're gonna drag him. I'm positive that Monica witnesses this race. She's at the she race. She approaches but him she at the very end, doesn't tell him who right. she is. Okay, she just uh, introduces herself and does a little flirty flirty. Right, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm getting that, to that. But you about to say that, oh yeah, well she's no, no, the she's, one that busts him. No, no, I didn't say that, did I? Oh, okay. He just jumped ahead. Yeah. That's right, because I got to catch you before you diss my girl. <laughs> Do it! We're going to have this war. There is a thing. We're going to get to a shot in this film where she, uh, but we'll get to it. Anyway. Anyway, the meat of the thing is that they want him to catch the Cole Hauser the character. Cole Hauser character. Carter Verone, I think. So he says that yeah. he has to recruit his own partner because the guy that, they, yeah. in a very amusing scene... They do it a variation of one of your favorite gags, which yeah. is the you know, what's the color of the boathouse in Hertfordshire? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where they say, okay, well, this is the guy that you're going to be partnered with. 
and it's a cop. He looks at him, and the guy is sucking on a right. big Slurpee soda. Yeah. And Brian says, "Okay, well, what's the difference between uh, such and such and such? Would you use a V eight or a V or, or, yeah. or such and such?" And the guy said, "Well, I would use a so and so and so and so." And then Brian takes a cup out of his hand and show him that yeah. it's a, his names. He's just read off yeah. of the cup that the guy had, and he says, yeah. "Listen, I can't use this guy because he's going to get me killed. I need somebody that knows the culture that knows cars." Yeah. And they said, "Well, who's that going to be?" And he says, "Well, I, I know got, a guy. I know a guy who is Roman Pierce." played by Tyrese Gibson who let us say at this stage of his career has not mastered the art of acting <laughs> he's mastered the art of acting somewhere oh god oh my god this guy's terrible Tyrese Gibson is let's say that there wasn't a stick of scenery left yeah. when this movie was over with mm-hmm. but he has exuberance he looks good which yeah. is a criteria for this movie. Everybody's got to look. There are no ugly people in yeah. Fast and Furious movie. Even the bad guys. Everybody is pretty. Okay, so they put tracers in their cars. Right. The cops put them in there. And ostensibly, what is happening? Now, this is when Monica. They, Monica. Well, who has, like I said, has checked her out at that first race. I'll let you she have this She approaches him at another race as a representative of her own. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out that Verona has been recruiting street racers to be his couriers mm-hmm. to move his drugs. To move his, and they figure, drug. okay, this is what's going on. They recruited us. We're going to be drug couriers. Drug right. couriers, and we'll get the goods on them. Turns out that he puts them through a little bit of a job interview, if you will, where he puts them through a race right that second. And right. Whoever gets to the destination gets the job. Right. Which reveals one of the big set pieces in the film. Mm-hmm. Which is a big, crazy chase scene all through around the Miami highways, including these two guys who I think are were supposed to be Crockett and Tubbs. Yeah, the yeah. older guys. Yeah, the older. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah. As it turns out, the job that they're going to do does not involve drugs at all. It involves money. Yeah. Barone is planning on going back to Cuba yeah. for some yeah. bullshit reason that I'm not clear what the hell he wants to do. But it's a couple hundred million dollars yeah. worth of money that he's going to try to smuggle out the country, and he needs to have the drivers drive it. To to a location. This is where I can see this guy is not your James Bond level super yeah. villain because I'm pretty sure that even when this movie was made, this movie was made in 2003, 2003 there was such a thing as electronic transfers. Yeah. <laughs> and there were easier ways mm-hmm. of moving your money to one place than putting it in the back of a car right. and having a guy drive it now, as fast as he could through the Miami streets now, chased by half the police force. While this is going on, <laughs> Monica has been undercover as Carter's kind of right-hand man conciliary slash main squeak. Only Carter's beginning to suspect something fishy is going on. Mm-hmm. That was not a pun. Well, this is another case where we see it's undercover agent, yeah. and her loyalty is calling the question because she's been undercover five. And Brian yeah. says himself five years. Yeah, and even he's surprised now because he's saying you've been undercover five. Him more than anybody else knows the danger yes. of being undercover and living that role that mm-hmm. long. And there is an attraction between Paul and Monica. She's practically the only woman that's in the movie, really, when you think about it. With the exception of Suki. But how many scenes is she in? She's not in that many. But one of my big problems with with her in this film, she's Mm -hmm. one of the worst undercover agents in the world. Well, yeah, she sucks at it. There's that one moment where she goes to talk privately to Paul, Mm -hmm. and... All of Carter's henchmen figure it out. They figure it out. Yeah, they're standing, they're scratching their head, and they go to the boat. Which they go to the boat where they're hanging yeah, where out, they're hanging and out they're yeah. doing a little afternoon delight, and they're like talking shop. And then he walks out, and the two of them are there. Oh my lord! And there is this one bizarre scene where she's having this conversation with Carter, and she's kind of like lounging out in that white bikini. 
the way that her body is kind of positioned, mm -hmm. where she's got like the one leg at a right angle, or she looks like she just fell from a great height. No, she looks hot. No, she doesn't. To me, she did. Mm. Well, see, there we go. This is some serious bad guy shit. There's a scene where there's a corrupt cop played by the great Mark Boone Jr. Yeah. And he's Renee doing something he's supposed to do. He has reached out to this character to mm -hmm. shut down the security system. Yeah, for 10 the, minutes yeah, or something like that. Minute. The guy says he can't do it. And he takes him and throws him on the table. Yeah. He takes a rat and right. it's an ice bucket. He puts the rat in the, the bucket, bucket and then puts it on his stomach and then starts heating up the yeah. bucket. And he's saying, but, you know, even there, <laughs> I could not buy. And don't get me oh, wrong. Oh, no, you're kidding. Yeah, Cole Hauser is a really decent actor. Oh, he is. But yeah. he's given nothing with yeah. this character. And he looks thoroughly Board. It's a totally ridiculous scene because it's done in the middle of his crowded club. Yeah. <laughs> and you mean nobody is turning around and saying, hey, there's a guy laying on the table with a bucket on yeah. his stomach and they've got a blowtorch heating yeah. up. Folks, don't get me wrong. This is a totally ridiculous movie. It's not a single thing in it that's believable. Right. But for some reason, that's probably where I get my... Because I sit there and I'm laughing my ass yeah. off through the whole thing. They do the Dukes of Hazzard thing. Yeah. At the, and even Tyrese Gibson said, you are not going to do this Dukes of Hazzard yeah. shit. Where they jump the car and they land right on the boat. Oh, man. Of all the films, this is my least favorite. It's not very good. It's not be the first to admit yeah. it. It's dumb. To the nth power, it's a glorified Miami Vice episode. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I like, really, I liked that then when they did the switch with the cars. And of course, I like any heist movie where the guys get away with the money at the right. end. Because at the end of the money, we see that Tyrese Gibson and Paul Walker characters, yeah. they've, shall we say, appropriated some of the funds yeah. of that thing. But Brian Walker's record is expunged. Roman's record is expunged because that's the deal that yeah. they made. If we get this guy for you, you clean our records. It's done in the movie. Which leads us to... Well, we have another... Oh, yeah. A short film. Yeah. Now, least. I've never seen this one. Yeah, neither have I. So you got to walk us through this. One. I've not seen it either. But apparently there is another movie which I think kind of sort of ties into what comes next. Which is, oddly enough, here's where things get confusing. The last film in the series... Yeah. They've kind of fudged around with the yeah. timeline of these movies. They actually have a list on Wikipedia, folks, yeah. that the recommended order that you watch yeah. these movies. Because I think you're supposed to watch Tokyo Drift after Fast or before. Yeah. Let me see if I can find the, the order that they say yeah. you should watch. Story in chronological order. There we go. Yeah. Can. Okay, you're supposed to watch yeah. it in this one. The Fast and the Furious. Turbo, Turbo Charge. Prelude. Too Fast, Too, too Furious. Los, Los Bandoleros. Fast and Furious. Fast, fast five, five. Fast six. Six. And then the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Yes. Now, that's supposed to be the last one. in the. But one thing that I can't figure out. Okay, let's get into Tokyo let's Drift. Let's get into and, Tokyo Drift. And then I want to ask you Which, something. And, and, and this is a reverse in that you're not too fond of this film. And no. I'm actually no. think it's pretty decent. Uh, yeah. It has its major flaws. Probably its biggest sin was it was called the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift and not just yeah. Tokyo Drift. I guess what it is, they couldn't get anybody back mm -hmm. <laughs> who was in the first two movies. Right. I have no idea why, because the sequel made twice as much money as the original one. The Fast and the Furious is kind of like the lethal weapon of these types of movies mm -hmm. in that every succeeding movie makes more money than the last right. one. Right. 
Yeah, Tokyo Drift, I don't know. They just went with a completely different cast, yeah, a completely we, we different are, location. And I just, We know. start out in, I think it's Arizona yeah. or New Mexico, somewhere in the Southwest. Mm-hmm. And we follow, I gotta give credit to the series, how they keep finding these black voids of sucking nothingness mm-hmm. to be their leads. I have no idea, because they found someone with even less charisma than Paul Walker. Well, nobody's going for the acting, they're going for the cars. Yeah. And the hot chicks. So we are introduced to Sean Boswell, played by Lucas Black, the world's oldest teenager. (laughs) He's into his cars, and he gets into a conflict because he's caught talking to the cheerleading girlfriend of this dumb thug. Mm -hmm. And they get into a race. Mm -hmm. He manages to wreck this whole housing development. Right. And while the dumb thug football guy has rich parents that could get him out of this, Sean Boswell, who also has a serious record... Mm -hmm is about to be expelled from school. Has a desperate final resort, rather than getting him sent to reform school, his mother sends him to Tokyo, Mm -hmm. where his father is serving a tour of duty in Japan. That's too much setup for these types of movies. We don't need all of this. When they could have just cut through the whole thing and just had the cops bring him home one night and just say, oh, he's all beaten up, and then we cut to a shot of tow truck with the total car, and that's it. Bam, 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 we know everything we need to know about him. It's way too much setup we got. And I should mention that this first action sequence, this big race through this housing development, this is the first film where the CGI overtakes the conventional stunt work, in that there are a number of stunts that you know that would have been done conventionally in the first two films that are being done with CGI manipulation. Mm-hmm. So he's having problems being yeah. out and of we, water. And, and we've got to, I mean, that's like half the damn movie right there, yeah. this whole fish out of water yeah. crap. You he know. hooks up with this guy Twink, played by Little Bow, well now just Bow Wow. Just Bow Wow, yeah. Who, who loves the Hulk, by the way. Mm-hmm. And is friends with Han, who is played by Soon Kang, that's the name of the actor. Well, Soon, yeah, okay, Soon Kang. So Han actually is a pretty cool guy. He has some admiration for Sean because he takes on DK, the Drift King, mm-hmm. who turns out to be the nephew of a big Yakuza boss played by Sonny Chiba. Yeah, the one saving grace it's in this, this movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not put too fine a point on it. DK is an asshole. In every way, shape, or form. Sean, in particular, seems to be attracted to this girl, Neela, played by the very curious-looking Nathalie Kelly. Han takes Sean under his wing, becomes his mentor. Mm -hmm. He becomes better and better at drift racing, which is a way of braking, using extra fluid in the brakes, Mm -hmm. to allow for when you brake in a certain way, it allows for you to drift around corners. Supposedly, if what I'm remembering is actually true, and if it's not, you guys remind me. Yeah. Drifting is so that the car goes around tight corners without losing any speed. You're yeah. doing it, but you don't have to brake and drop your velocity of how yeah. fast you're going. It enables you to it's, keep maintain the speed. Uh, there are frequent oh, shots. Yeah, yeah. There are frequent overhead shots of these races, and it's a very striking-looking process. Mm-hmm. And especially because, I guess because the streets in Tokyo are so crowded, yeah. they can't do it. A lot of the races is done in garages. Garages are on mountains. Right. There's that really nice scene where he and Neela have, I guess you'd call their first date, mm-hmm. and she takes him to this place that she learned how to drift race. Yeah. And she's giving her the expository life stories are doing this around the corners. And it's just a really nice little scene. But see, for my money, I would have liked Tokyo Drift. Yeah. We don't need all this backstory with this poor kid yeah. and, and he comes to live with his father. No. Nah. 
Why don't we make it just about the Japanese racist? Yeah. What's wrong with that? You because we needed an American face. You've got a character who's got ties to the Yakuza. Yeah. You got Sonny Chiba. Let's have this guy and Bow Wow is his best friend. Yeah. That's it. Tell their story. That's what I want to say. Anyway, I, I couldn't out, give a shit less about this. Yeah, thing. it turns out that Han, who has worked kind of for DK, has been doing a little bit of trickery on him. <laughs> Trickeration. <laughs> DK ends up killing Han. Mm -hmm. in a high-speed car chase. Okay, stop right there. Isn't it Han that comes back in Fast Five? Isn't that Han? Uh, but that happens... Oh, we'll, we'll get to Fast see, Five when we get to Half Five. You see what it I mean, folks, about hurts. the time? Yeah, this is why I think they say that Tokyo Drip takes yeah. place after... So Sean that, decides, yeah. you killed my best friend, I'm going to get revenge on you. And he does this by going to his uncle, returning the money that was stolen to him. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by this scene because he's more Yakuza mm -hmm. than the nephew of the Yakuza. Yeah. Because he comes in, he has the stolen money, Chiba's going, this doesn't change anything. It's like, I, th I was under the impression I was returning something that was rightfully yours. Mm -hmm. He follows all the rules mm -hmm. of how to interact with your Obayan. Right. Whereas DK is like, oh, you suck, get the fuck yeah, out of yeah. here. And it gets the uncle to agree to settling this with a rake. Literally a winner leaves town Winter rake. Winner leaves town, yeah. Which ends with, of course... DK behaving like a dick and losing and this ends with the connection where the new DK who's Sean he's hanging out with Natalie there's about to race and there's a new racer on the scene mm -hmm. and it's Dominic Toretto and, uh, yep sure. who makes the comments like I, I didn't know that Han was into muscle cars he was when I was running with them that ends that one a lot of people hate this one this isn't that bad it's got its problems and I think you're right if you cut out mm -hmm. the American asshole this yeah. one would have worked better I guess it was just oh people won't go and see a film of yellow faces. If it comes on, I watch it, but I like tune out yes. whenever it's the scene, the American kid, but when they do mm -hmm. the thing with the Japanese kid, yeah. then I pay attention. I could not care about that character in right. the slightest. If it had just been about the Japanese race and the Japanese street racing subculture, yeah. I would have liked this movie a lot better. This is the only one out of the whole series that I regret watching. And yeah. I probably will never watch it again. You know? Now, here's where things get weird. Because after Tokyo Drift... Well, in the chronology that they have over here, it's the you're last. supposed to watch this last because, because of Han getting killed. I don't think this one did as well in the box office. And the thing was, also, I respect that what they were trying to do was trying to, rather than go to the well one too many times with Toretto and Brian, they were trying to create a whole new set of stories that they could yeah. have. But it didn't work, so so long Lucas Black, so long Sean Boswell. You know what this one was? What? And you're going to appreciate this one. This season one, of the Witch? This was the season of the Witch. Yes, of, yes it was. Of the Fast and Furious series. That's what it was. I agree and, with that. And it didn't work. So, we come back to Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. <laughs> because this was during that year where they figured all we have to do for sequels is drop the from the title. That was also the year of Final Destination. Mm -hmm. Fast and Furious opens up with Dominic Toretto and his crew. He's got, which includes Han. Which includes Han. Han is in this movie. His girlfriend. No, his girlfriend, Letty. Right. This is where we see the two guys who speak exclusively yes, in, in Spanish. Spanish. <laughs> Even though... Who are so much fun in the next film. It's shown that they understand yeah. they can speak English very well. Yeah. They just prefer to talk Spanish right. to each other all the time. They're brothers. Yeah. And they're constantly talking shit to each other. And they're hijacking fuel tankers in the Dominican Republic. Because has, I think it's 
is it Dominic who says this? He says something to the effect of, one of them says, why are we doing this to steal gold? Why, like, yeah, because well, this is the Dominican Republic. Yeah, he wants to know, well, why don't we... Gas is gold. He said, why don't we rob yeah. banks? And said, well, this is the Dominican Republic down here. This yeah. is better than gold. He leaves Letitia behind. Although first, Han says, gotta be moving on, dude. Yeah, right. This is where the confusion happens. Yeah, this is happens. where it starts confusing. Because you figure that he's leaving. Well, then he went, and then that's when Tokyo Drift happens. Yeah. When he went back to right. Tokyo. Apparently, that's not it. That's another yeah. story that we gotta hear. Letitia gets murdered. She gets killed. He goes underground. Right. Leaves Letty. Letty goes back to L.A., mm. and then he hears word that she's been murdered by Phoenix Calderon. Right. This mysterious drug kingpin <laughs> who nobody has ever seen. Meanwhile, we check in on Brian. Who is now the FBI. He's at back the FBI. FBI. So and is also on the path of Phoenix Calderon. No, the guy's name is Braga, the drug dealer. Oh, okay. It's, at it, yeah. That's right. Phoenix is the assistant. The right, the, right. The odd the head, job. Right, the odd job at the movie. Yeah. yeah. Let's look at Brian with the FBI, with the spotty record yeah. he's had. Would they really trust no, him? No, no, not a bit. With, because apparently he's back in the good graces of the FBI. Yeah. And, and he looks miserable. Yes, he does. He, he looks thoroughly miserable throughout these early sequences. He looks completely out of place, like he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. He's got to wear a suit mm-hmm. tie. But he's after this drug dealer named Braga. At the same time that he's after him, we get the revenge story yeah. of Dominic trying to find out. Dominic finds mm-hmm. his way back to L.A. Right. reconnects with Mia, who now has grown into her face, and so now she's officially hot. And meanwhile, Brian crosses paths with Mia again and, uh, and takes her to, we have to presume, the same diner. Yeah, the same diner. And Mia tells him to sit in the spin. And this is one thing I can't figure out. So they bring her in for questioning yeah. to the FBI headquarters. Apparently, he just takes her and just walks yeah. back out. Nobody said anything that you took a witness out of there and nobody came back to you and said, well, Agent Walker, what'd you do with the witness? That's completely forgotten in the movie. Oh, yeah. It turns out that this drug dealer, again, like in the other movie, he's recruiting drivers to right. take his drugs from Mexico to the United States. And this is the first drug dealer who apparently has heard of electronic media. Yes. He doesn't just give you instructions. He gives you a GPS, a GPS, and when the GPS turns on, you gotta follow where it leads. Now, here's the interesting thing. Yeah. Apparently, this drug dealer has either dug or he's using an existing I got the impression it was an old copper mine or something. Old copper, right. Yeah. And it's a tunnel that goes all the way from the United States it's to Mexico, Mexico yeah. and he needs drivers who are able to navigate or through the tunnel. enough to, yeah. Right. Paul, once again, gets a job interview. Has the, right, him and Dominic, as yes. it turns out. They both show because up. Because they do thing. finally connect up and Dominic is I'm gonna kill him I'm gonna kill I need your help I'm gonna kill that guy who killed my who killed my, my sister who killed my sister no 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 yeah, right. yeah no the sister's I keep, still alive I keep getting to think that she's maybe that's really kind of strange on my part but yeah. I always keep thinking that this is his sister in the movie yeah Phoenix, that's the odd job of this movie. And he never trusts Brian right from the start. Yeah. It's like he can smell cop. He, says, right. he just plain doesn't yeah. like Dominic. One of the interesting things I find about this film is the identity of Braga. Because it's established nobody knows what he looks like. Yeah, yeah. Brian is sent to deal with his, his, two, representatives. his two representatives. One, Giselle, played mm-hmm. by Gail Godot, who has this kind of strange, weird attraction to Dominic. Yeah. The Dominic in this film at least is consistent with the other ones. Right. She's hot for him. Her panties are on fire Mm -hmm. for him, but he's like, nah. (laughs) My true love is in the ground. And he just keeps trying to hook up. Yeah, Giselle comes back in Fast Five, too. And apparently proves that she's just steady old hoochie mama. 
Yeah. And he's trying to hook up with Brock, but Brock yeah. is that cat's like the Wizard of Oz. Nobody yeah. gets to see him no way, no how. What you know? we do eventually learn is that Braga is actually the guy who's the representative. Yeah, yeah. And he created this fictitious thing to throw the heat off of him. Which is kind of smart. It, granted, it was a plot point I caught into almost immediately. The second that they go to that place and they see the representative, the representative is on top doing the... He's played by... Oh, he's on top of the roof yeah, playing on top golf. Of the roof playing yeah. golf. Yeah, uh-huh. John Ortiz is the name of yeah. the guy. Probably the closest we get to actually having an effective villain in the... Uh, yeah, and because this one actually shows some brains. Yeah, he creates this other persona, and it's at the end of the movie when we have Dominic and what's his name. They think that they're yeah. beating him. What's his name? He looks at him and says, "Now nah, this isn't Braga." Yeah, and they know just oh right. shit, it's not him. It's yes. him. It's that yeah, motherfucker exactly. over there. <laughs> now to be fair, pulling the wool over. Brian O'Connor's eyes is not it's a no, difficult thing. No, no, no. It's not by any... Nah, nah, nah. You don't have to be James Bond yeah. supervillain level to pull the wool over this cat's eyes. <laughs> they once his cover is blown, he makes a beeline for Mexico. And like you were talking about the CGI yeah. and other... They went crazy with it in yeah. this one. I'm convinced everything that's in the tunnels, in the tunnel, that's CGI. Yeah. It's gotta be. There's no way they can film that stuff for real. Although, I'll say, I give them credit for trying to think the action sequences are inventive in this one. Yes, they are. And I give them a lot of credit for trying to do a lot of things different while still continuing the story that everybody apparently cared about. Yeah, because they have to do a lot in this movie. Yeah. Well, because, of course, they have to give us the crime story. Yes. And they have to we give have us the reconnection between, between Dominic and Brian. We, we and have to get Brian and Mia. Yeah. So it's a lot of this kind of pseudo love story, although it, I like the fact that it's kind of terminated by Giselle finally realizing who, and she just goes, whoever it was, must have been a hell of a woman. Yeah. Before she walked yeah, away. Yeah, she just walks. Yeah. Finally and, gives up. Yeah. So it's a lot of things that they yeah. have to... She's they not gotta, a bad character. It's only in the next film that we realize what a hoochie mama she is. Which is alright with me. Yeah, okay. Nothing wrong with a good hoochie mama. Yeah. But this movie, I put it above the second one, yeah. Too Fast and Furious. Yeah. It is a better movie because, of course, we get all the familiar old characters back together again. Yeah. And then a reasonably good story. Is it a great story? It's no, just, it's, it's a story that I think that if the writers took maybe another three or four days to think it out and yeah. block it out, it would have been a great story. That, there's a little too much of just go with it in this film. Yeah, because I think it's completely unnecessary that Brian is an FBI agent. For, for one thing, I never bought it for a minute. Mm-hmm. And you know what I was actually hoping what? that it would turn out to be? That they said, we could use this asshole because he's stupid. Yeah. Get a line of other people. Let's make him think he's yeah. back inside. And then after he yeah. reconnects with his butt. Because we know he's going to hook up with Dominic yeah. Toretto. And then we got the both. That's what I was hoping it was going to turn out to be. But this yeah. movie isn't that smart. <laughs> it's fair. There are also some really nice sort of shots and set pieces. I like, for example, the whole funeral for Letty. Yeah, yeah. Where you've got almost three levels of people watching each other. Yeah, yeah. Got, Everybody's you, watching yeah. somebody, yeah. You start with Mia at the actual graveside, then mm-hmm. you pull away, and there's Paul watching mm-hmm. Mia, and then you pull away further, mm-hmm. and there's Is Dominic, Dominic on a hill watching Paul, Paul watching, watching Mia. Mia. Yeah. <laughs> and then they come back to Paul, and Paul gets this prickle on the back of his neck, mm-hmm. and he's looking... That's kind of cool. It's not a bad movie. It's entertaining. Let me put it that way. It's solid entertainment. 
It's right. got a good revenge story. The crime story, okay. It's got some interesting little twists in there. It's better than Too Fast, Too yeah. Furious. It's a better story. Well, like I said, first off, I mean, the villain is just... Yeah, the villain better. is better. He's yeah. still crap, but at least he's a villain that I can get behind. Matter of fact, I would go so far as to say this is probably the best villain out of oh, the yeah. entire series. Unlike the guy we're going to meet in the next film... <laughs> the character that neither of us can remember his name, so we just refer to him as Don Generico. Don Generico, yeah. We're talking, now, of course, about Fast Five. Yeah. Now, at the very end of Fast and Furious, there is a five to six minute postscript. He's sentenced to 25 he years actually, to life. He's sentenced to jail. This is a credit to Diesel. Is that he sells this part. Brian is ready to let him go again. Right. And Dominic goes, no. Nah. That's after they've killed the bad guy. Yeah, the bad he's guy's killed the bad the guy. Cops are coming. He's had his revenge, and, and it just seems like right. he's tired. And Brian is telling him, take the car and go. I and mean, he said, it just nah. looks he's, like all of a yeah. sudden, all the energy yeah. just goes out of Vin Diesel's body. And yeah. he just goes, it's time to stop running. Yeah, just stop running. And we get a little bit of the end of his trial where even though... 25 to life. And they say, and this is what cracks me up, the judge says, even though we have... We have to, taken into account... We have to count that Agent Walker. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like somebody's really going to take his word for yeah, shit. We have taken into account that Agent Walker's plea for clemency <laughs> and have considered the fact that you helped bring down a major drug dealer. But that doesn't but excuse all the other shit. The person you asked to come to plead with is a dumbass. <laughs> and then don't make up all the yeah. shit you did before. 25 to life. Bam! Your Honor, I can't do life. Well, do what you can. Yeah. <laughs> so we see him go with the other prisoners in his orange jumpsuit and get on the bus. Going up to penitentiary. Mm -hmm. And he mentions it without... Hope of parole. Yeah, that's some cool shit. Yeah, and then we see these cars driving up, and we see that one of them is run by Brian, and one of them is run by Mia, and they're coming up beside the truck, and that's when the film ends. Right. We start Fast Five literally a second Ooh, after, after that, right? where... Big shock, Brian and Mia break out Dominic. They flee to Brazil yeah. to hide out. Ostensibly. Yeah, ostensibly. <laughs> with one of the characters from the very first film who I thought was dead. Who was that? The other Toretto brother. Harry Guy. Oh, no, he wasn't dead. Remember? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. The guy that got hung up. Well, he's not exactly a brother, but yeah. he's an adopted brother. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. The guy with the mustache and the beard. Yeah. The guy, he had the wire yeah. wrapped around him. With, no, remember Brian got... That's okay. how Dominic found out that he was a cop. Because he called and he said, listen, I got a man down. I need a help. I need oh, a chopper. okay, yeah. Remember? And they get him and put him on the chop. That's how his arm got yeah. saved. Mia yeah. knew that he was right. a cop, but Dominic didn't know. Until yeah. the police chopper came and got the guy. So that's who's down there with them. Yeah, right. I know who you're talking about. He apparently had went down there beforehand. And I guess after the events of the first yeah. movie, he went down. Because he's got a wife and he's a baby. Got a wife and a kid. Yeah. yeah. So Greta comes on. Can we kind of hang with you for a while? They're hanging out. And they get a job offer right. to steal these three cars from a moving train yeah. for Don Generico. <laughs> God, what a... <laughs> oh, I guess his name is Herman Reyes, judging from the thing we're looking yeah, at right his, now. his name is Herman Reyes. I like Re my name better. Let's go back. Yeah, let's go back to that. Don Generico. And his odd job is named ZZ, played by Michael Irby. That's the guy because he's actually only interested in one car. Dominic says, Mia will take that car. And the guy jumps salty. Well, yeah. No, no, no. He says, I'm taking that car. I want that. Well, Dominic says, well, why you want that car? So don't you worry about that. I'm paying you to steal all three cars, right. but I'm taking that one. So Dominic tells me, you take that car in. And yeah. they get into a fight on mm -hmm. the train. 
fight while this heist is going. It's a terrific action sequence. Yes. Made all the more exciting. And Tom and I have said yeah. this before. And let me tell you something. God knows I don't want to see anybody hurt or killed yeah. in a movie. But it does make a difference when you see his actual people performing yeah. stunts and it's not CGI. This whole thing, to me, if they use CGI, it's damn good. Because it yeah. actually looks like real guys are doing these stunts. Because mm-hmm. the truck that they're using to steal the yeah. cars, or it gets hooked up in the train. Mm-hmm. And Paul Walker's fighting with the guy, yeah. trying to get it in. Vin Diesel's inside, beating up three guys at the same time. <laughs> then they got to get the car out, yeah. get in the car. And even when they get the car out, they're driving, and they're going to go over a cliff. And it's too yes. late to turn. The car just goes, Foop. And we get that great scene that was spoiled by, yes, by the, the trailers. trailers. Yeah. Where the car just goes, Wee. Yeah. And they jump out the car and they're mm-hmm. falling. And yeah. Because splash. They and go to report to Don Generico. We, we lost, lost the your car. car. So we mean lost the car. Well, they took it. Well, what do you mean they took? Who are they? Yeah. <laughs> Don Generico shows his displeasure by trying to torture and kill them. Yeah. This does not sit well. Because he wants his car back. Yes. And as we learned later on, it's not the car. It's a computer chip that's in the car, which has his entire bank accounts on there. Right. Exactly how much money he got. And it's a schedule of when his money is... Again, all of these movies are about guys moving money. Physically, again, haven't these guys heard about electronic transfers? Now, meanwhile, <laughs> their little stunt, because, of course, it was a federal impound, yeah. has attracted the attention of the FBI. Well, the two guys got killed, remember? Yeah. Because Don Generico's eye yeah. job, he shot the yeah. two guys that came in there, remember? Yeah. They said we're being robbed, and uh-huh. he killed them. But it's hung on Dominic and Brian. and Brian. Yeah, it's hung on them and Mia. So they send in the character of Hobbs, mm-hmm. played by... Dwayne Johnson. Thank God. And this is one thing that really annoyed the crap out of me about the cat is that it is established very early on when Brian hears that Hobbs has been sent on mm-hmm. their asses. It kind of freaks him out. Yeah. He says to Dominic, this is not a guy you want to fuck with. He's strictly Old Testament. Old Testament. We got this guy on our ass. We truly have somebody on our ass. Yeah. This guy does not play. So we're getting set up that this guy is going to be the frickin' Terminator. And we see him. He arrives in Brazil. He hooks up with this rookie cop played by Elena Pataki because she's a rookie cop, so she's not had time to be corrupted yet. Right. She's fresh from the yeah. academy, and also he's in red. And she is so small. Well, she's standing next to Dwayne Johnson for most of the movie. She's standing next to Dwayne Dees, who would be dwarfed by the two of us, and she looks like a dwarf next to him. Well, she's a tiny woman. What do you want? Just saying. I'm just making an observation. <laughs> she's a tiny, tiny, tiny girl. Cute as butt. Yeah. I don't know if I would have taken her over Giselle. Well, she's not a raving yeah, beauty. No, but she's, she's all right. She plays an interesting role in this movie mm-hmm. because she says, well, why did you pick me? He said, well, for one, you just came out of the yeah. academy because he knows the situation down there. And the whole police force in Rio de Janeiro is owned by Don yeah. Generico. And second of all, he has read her file and saw that she had a family member right. that was killed by Don Generico. He said, so you're motivated. Right. So I know you're not going to screw Although me. I got to say, I thought that the real reason she's here is is to have somebody for Dom to make eyes at. Oh, absolutely. She really oh, doesn't yeah, have yeah. any driving force in the film itself. No, no, no. The reason why we got her is so that at the end, it's yeah. not just me and Brian playing kissy face on the beach. Right. We get Dominic playing kissy face with somebody. Especially so. given that at the point at the end of the film, Mia is very pregnant. Yeah, yeah. 
Which is another kind of motivation for Brian to get some revenge and get some money back from Don Generico. Because that's eventually what happens. Since they have this chip, with yeah. all information, they know where his money at, they know yeah. where it's going to get moved. And like, nobody him. puts Dominic in a corner. Brian and Dominic says, yeah. oh, we're going to do this one last job. Because the guy, I think it's like something like half a billion yeah. dollars. And they said, we're going to take it and we're going to run. And so now we're going into the best part of the yeah. movie for me. Which is the getting the band back together. <laughs> Toretto's... Toretto's 11. Yeah. <laughs> what happens is that they said, well, we're going to need a team to get this. So now they go back through everybody who's been in a Fast and Furious movie. Well, they started from the beginning when they got the brother. They got him. They go get Tyrese Gibson right. from the second one. And Ludacris. And Ludacris. Even Mendez. But she shows up in a cameo at the end. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Along with another character. Yes, another character. We'll say that for We get, get the, the two, two brothers. Who are going to be, of course, their support team. We get Han. And we get... Now, here's the thing, though. Is Giselle played by the same actress? I believe so. Because she doesn't look the same. Well, we'd have to look at the credits for yeah. Fast Five. Well, you keep talking while I look at the okay. credits. So, what they do is they find out that Don Generico keeps his money in the most secure place in Rio de Janeiro. The headquarters of the Rio de Janeiro police. Who is it who comes up with that knuckleheaded plan? Is it Dominic? Yes, it is. Dominic comes up with a plan, a foolproof plan, after they do that weird, stupid thing with the, whatchamacallit car. Okay, now, Giselle, that's the name of the character. Yes. She's played by Gail Gadot. Yeah. And yes, she She's was in, in both of those movies. She Band looks very, very Band different Band. in the second film. Well, it's the same actress. Okay. And, of course, what does Giselle do? Giselle says, well, you don't want me, Dominic, so I'm going to go for the Asian kid. Yeah. The plan that they have, they're going to steal the money. They need all the money to be put in one spot first. Yeah. So what they They do, go and rob other places. That and they, burn the money. Yeah. You're burning the money and yeah. say, well, this is a crazy plan. No, no. The plan is is that they want Don Generico to put all his money in one spot, right. which he does. Unfortunately, they could not foresee that he would put it in a safe right. in the police right. department. Yes. <laughs> so now Tyrese Gibson loses it. He said, this just went straight for Mission Impossible. The mission fucking insane. insane. Dominic says, no, no, no. This can still work. Yes. <laughs> well, first they got to get Don Generico's handprint. Oh, uh, Yeah. Which they get off of Giselle's butt. But then they gotta get a map of where the thing is, which they do with Tyrese Gibson trying to like flirt while the brothers use a rope patrol car to do a looky see. Yeah. Then the big plan is revealed. Mia, who is now pregnant, is mm-hmm. doing all the coronation at the home base. What we get is, of course, the Grand Master Plan. But before we get the Grand Master Plan, Hobbs finds them. Yeah. At the same time, Don Generico finds them. There's a big fight. Scene. Which leads up yes. to what the movie had been promising all yes. along. And we do get Vin Diesel and yes. Dwayne Johnson going at it toe-to-toe. And it's a good fight scene. Okay, let me tell you how I think the Vin Diesel-Dwayne Johnson fight scene should have gone. No. Vin Diesel charges him. Dwayne Johnson does this. Yeah. Palms his head, mm-hmm. kicks him in the nuts. Mm-hmm. The end. And it would have been a very boring movie. I'm sorry. Vin Diesel should not have won that fight. He didn't win. Are we both saw the same film. I think he won the fight. This is what I saw. Yeah. They were fighting. He got on top of them. Briefly, up until then, it had been an evenly matched fight. They was both taking their lumps. Yeah. Then he snatches up a wrench yeah. to hit him. And his sister calls and says, Dom. Yeah. And he brings it down. But he doesn't hit. You know, with that bullshit thing where we think that he's back. Okay, brain anyway. Down. In my mind, it was a draw. During the firefight when Don Generico's men raid... Put that up on the Facebook page. Okay, well, we'll do Do that. you think that is... Okay. <laughs> when Don think Generico was? raids Toretto's hideout... Yeah. Several of Hobbs' men are killed. No, Don Generico doesn't raid his hideout. 
he attacks their convoy. Okay. Because remember, Hobbs does arrest them because they're all in there by that time. While they're having a the fight, the well, rest of the crew is coming in. Because they're in the trucks, yeah. remember. Making the beautiful story short and ugly, some of Hobbs' men are killed. Well, 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 well let's get this straight. Because remember, they were in the street and they mm-hmm. blow up the convoy. It is yeah. Dodge and men. Yeah. But Brian is in the car, Mia's in the car. No, it was me in the car? No, Mia's not in any of the cars. Which okay. is one of the things that pisses me off about this film is that I like seeing Jordana Brewster driving around and putting right. the big boy stuff. Uh-huh. And the second that she finds out she's pregnant, she's sitting at home yeah, doing the right. computer bullshit. Right, yeah, because now she's like the tech yeah. support. So Hobbs' crew gets wiped out, yeah. as you say. Then that's when, to me, this is the funniest part of the movie. Because Brian and Dominic apparently throws out the carefully calculated mm-hmm. plan that they have. Yeah. And what they do now amounts to a couple of kids <laughs> attaching a chain to an ATM machine on the back oh of a tow truck God. because they have these two cars. All they do is just hook it up to the vault and snatch the whole vault out of the police station. Oh, my God. I've been sitting there watching this with my mother, and I'm thinking to myself, now, I don't know a lot about physics, but I'm pretty sure that if you do something like this, the momentum of having a several-ton safe dragging behind you will eventually pull you off a bridge. The whole thing to me of robbing somebody is that you want to rob them, but in such a way that you have time to get away with the money instead of drag a 10-ton safe full of money through the streets of Rio de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's a preposterously wonderful scene. They take out a whole building yeah. at one point. Mia says, did you just take out an office yes, building? they took out an office building. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't go past 700 foot Jesus and knock him down oh, with this thing. Oh my God. It's a totally preposterous scene. It's hilarious. It should be mentioned that of course, now we had Hobbs, who since yeah. his team was wiped out, he decides to jump ship and he joins yeah. them. Because him and then the female cop, they participate in the raid and they go in there and they do the dirty yeah. carry, terminate the thing on the police station yeah. while they're robbing the safe. And they take the safe and there's a scene where Dominic cuts Brian loose and tell him, well, yeah. you because he's looking for revenge for the guy. He kills Don Generico with the safe. <laughs> you Because know, he's flailing it about like a, yeah. a huge mace. A on the star, yeah. Oh my God. So bad guys are all dead. Hobbs comes mm-hmm. and he tells Brian and Dominic this doesn't change anything. I'm still coming after you but because of what you did you've earned 24 yeah. hours. They say okay well we'll take that. And he says and the money stays here. Yeah. To me Dominic and Brian yeah okay, okay keep the money. You know. And I said well damn that was kind of. But then we find out why. Especially you're talking about Brian and Dominic the two most incapable of keeping a poker face yeah, on the uh, planet. Mm-hmm. And they do it. And then we find out to me which is a magnificent twist of that these guys actually were smart enough to build a duplicate yeah. safe. Well, though they buy it, which they switch in a tunnel. Yeah. So they've got the safe with the real money, which Ludacris is able to yeah. open with the thumbprint that they got so, from Giselle's yeah. spot. Right. <laughs> oh, God. Wise, I never thought I would have to say. May I Ludacris say- opens the safe using a thumbprint print. from Giselle's spot. May I say that my admiration for this movie knows no bounds because it's turned into a low-rent version of Ocean's Eleven slash Mission Impossible with a bunch of people that logically should not be able to boost a pack of cigarettes from a bodega, much less pull off a robbery like this. These guys shouldn't be able to do this. (laughs) But they do. Yes, Because let's face it, probably the smartest people that's in the thing is Han, Giselle, and Ludacris. Giselle is supposed to have been Mossad, for God's sake. She was supposed to be the muscle, but she never does anything. Remember the scene? She has dinner with Han. 
She goes to a party. She gets all sneaky, sneaky, squitchy, squitchy with El Generico. So he would put his hand on her butt. But that's it. But remember the scene where him and yeah. Brian are talking about the people that they got to get together yeah. and say, okay, well, we need a driver. And Brian says, okay, I got that. And then you see Tyrese yes. Gibson coming. Okay, we need a tech guy. Then you see Ludacris coming. Yeah. Then he says, well, we need muscle now. And Dominic says, I got the right person. And you see her coming. Yeah. Up but she never does anything yeah, muscle is yeah. muscle Yeah, exactly. Instead of saying, well, we need a hoochie. Okay. Well, yeah, let's get a hoochie. Let's get a hoochie. <laughs> they don't say that. Well, we need backup. And then that's when you see the two brothers arrive. So they're naming off all the reasons yeah. why we're getting these characters back. But I do admire this movie for the way that, A, they did get everybody back in a logical yeah. way. And I'm looking forward to the next movie because it's supposed to be Fast, Fast 6. Six. Because we really? find out in the post credit sequence, yes. uh, we go back to the FBI headquarters, I guess presumably in Miami. Mm -hmm. And Hobbs is visiting Monica and says, there's still nothing left on Toretto, but mm -hmm. this should interest you. There's been somebody robbing the gas tankers. In Berlin? In Berlin, yes. It's, okay. in, it's in Berlin. In, in a, Europe that match Toretto's old MO. He's like, yeah, but they're not there. I right. know. He said, I know. Yeah, I yeah. just left them. They're not there. Look at what we did. And she shows him mm -hmm. an observation photo of Letty. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Cute. Cute and the thing man. is, is I'm that... I was looking. We never see her body in four. Thank you. We never see her body. After I saw this movie, I immediately popped out the yeah. disc and I popped in the one from four. Because so didn't she die in that one? We only got Phoenix word for right. that. That she was dead. We see her fall. Right. When Phoenix shoots her. But we never see any evidence beyond that. Be when we get that flashback. Yeah. It's Phoenix telling it. So we don't know for sure. I kind of think Brian knows she's alive. Because remember he tells Dominic she was right. working for us at the time. Yeah. That that really right. cranks up the whole revenge thing. She was working for us because she was trying to get you back. And then that's when Dominic freaks out. Oh my gosh, she was working for you. Well, why didn't you tell me? Well, man, what was I supposed to tell yeah. you? You weren't talking to me. You weren't talking to me. <laughs> you almost threw a guy that I was yeah. trying to interrogate out a window because you were mad at me. Yeah. Okay, so I'm betting that in Fast 6 it's going to come out that Brian knows yeah. She's still alive. But, of course, Letty told him, don't tell him. Let him think I'm dead. This way he go yeah. on and live. Some bullshit like that. So, apparently, that's going to be part of the well, plot. Well, we don't even know. Right now, it's just called Fast 6. Fast it six. might be called something else before we get it. Yeah. They probably leave with yeah. Fast 6. I would. What else is it? Faster and Furious server? <laughs> Fast and the Furious, Letty's Revenge. Yo, there you go. They do set up at the very end before the credits roll that they're kind of all set up in Brazil and Brian and Mia mm. have a little house on the beat and apparently Dominic and Elena Pataki's character. Yeah. They show up and once again, you're marveling at how really tiny Elena... Because apparently she's quit her job. Yeah. Because otherwise, why would she be hooking up with yeah. her own criminal? And also we do get another throwback to the rivalry between the two characters yeah. because they had an earlier race yeah. where Tyrese Gibson said, oh, well, he let you win. You didn't know they yeah. let you win? He said, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So Brian says, let's me and you rate nobody else around. The only one yeah. that'll know is me and you. And of course, they don't let us know how that race turns right. out. Leaving it up again. But this is my favorite out of all of them. I like this one. I probably could watch this one right now after we've been talking about it. Because it is just a goofy, over-the-top movie. And it doesn't make any apologies mm. for that. Don Generico. Again, we've got a very weak bad guy. Yeah. Arguably the weakest of all. I, I hate I think Cole Hauser character more because he's just actively actively annoying. Yeah. 
But I think Don Generico is the weakest of all of them. Yeah, because Cole Howell's character is annoying. At least mm-hmm. he's making you feel annoyed. This guy yeah. it really doesn't seem like he cares all that much about he's yeah. being robbed, really. I don't know. But all of the other characters, I like seeing them back together. Yeah, yeah. I liked how they interacted. Well, you know me, I love a good heist. Right. And I absolutely love a heist movie where they get away with it. Okay, so that brings us to next year. We are going to have Fast 6, where we've been told they're going to be in Europe, which is another change of venue. I'm assuming that we're not going to get Dominic's 11 this time. But it should be interesting. I hope. I hope we do. I hope that they keep on with this. I don't know how much further they could do this, but it would be nice to see these characters. I would be perfectly happy, though, if it was just Dominic, Brian, Mia, Letty, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming that's like the whole central plot of the mm-hmm. Letty becomes the bad guy, in a way. Yeah. And Hobbs. Mm-hmm. I'd be perfectly happy with just those five characters. Okay, I could see that. You don't have to bring anybody else back, as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. Well, who's left? Who's left that we didn't see in five? Yeah, nobody major. Let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah, nobody major, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you could bring Twink back. Yeah, that's probably, You yeah. could bring Twink uh, back. Yeah. You could bring Suki back from two. But give me those five characters. Well, Hobbs is a given, because Dwayne yes. Johnson already said that. Yes. Before they finished the filming of Fat Five, yeah. he signed to do, okay. you know, the Maybe season. bring back your so, wannabe Raquel Welch girlfriend. Absolutely. But, you know, that would be fine. Of course, what I want is the equivalent of a school reunion scene mm-hmm. with Brian just going... Oh, man. Caught between your present girlfriend and your ex. Yeah. Not a good Never sign. Never a good no. Never a good thing. Mm-hmm. Especially when Michelle Rodriguez always looked like she could probably tear out anybody's eyes just by staring hard. And I really appreciate when they give Michelle Rodriguez a movie where she can smile. I, because she's a beautiful woman. I don't understand why people call her ugly. It seems like too many times she gets to play either one or two roles, the pissed off mm-hmm. Latina or the even more pissed, pissed off, off Latina. Latina. And you're right. When she smiles, she's got yeah. a smile that lights up. Put the chick in a dress once in a while, yeah. for God's sake. And let her be a little bit more glamorous. I would like to see a Robert Rodriguez rom-com with Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. I mean, she's a beautiful girl, but she just seems to get stuck into that pissed-off Latina mode in way too many of her movies. Yeah. So, to sum Do up... Do a Robert Rodriguez version of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid with her and Rosario Dawson. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, or Selma Hayek. She's already did that. That's right, she did Benditas. Yeah, Benditas. Okay. With, uh, yeah, she already did that with, who was it, Jennifer Lopez? Yeah. No, but Selma Hayek could play the person chasing them. There you go. All hot Latin chick version of Butch Cassidy. We'd have to find some way to put Penelope Cruz in there, too, if we're going to do like an, if we're going to bill it as an all hot chick. Okay. All and, Latino hot chick. And, of course, the crazy babysitter. Of, got course, the, of course! Yeah. You of, know what's happening is that we're really... Just a second, I'm writing another thing down on our list of things Yeah, yeah, I know. These screenplays that we keep saying that we're going to write and we have to write. Cause see, we just, yeah, all Latino version of Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid. There you go. It writes itself. So... <laughs> How do you rank them? We have five films. Uh, okay. From one to five. One to just, five. To me, the best one is, of course, Fast Five. Okay. I love Fast Five. Then Fast and Furious. Then Too Fast and Too Furious. Fast and Furious. And then Tokyo Drift. Okay. Mine is really different from yours. I know. I would go with The Fast and the Furious, mm-hmm. the first one. Then probably Fast Five. Okay. Actually, I'd put Tokyo Drift slightly higher than I would put Fast and Furious. So those are so close that they might as well be yeah. on an equal plane. And finally, way, way down, Too Fast Too and Furious. Too Fast and Furious, yeah, which you yeah. didn't like at all. I didn't like at all, no. 
just feel. I can see why people would not like that movie. I understand why. It's just so incredibly ridiculous. It's past that point where I can't take it seriously. And I can just enjoy it on that level of not taking it seriously. But you know, if you like cars, if you're one of these people who's really into car culture, and I know there are a lot of people who are, the thing that is kind of a running thread is a respect for that outlaw car culture. Yeah. And that's maybe another way that this is kind of inheritor of that kind of movie that Roger Corman was making when he had John Ireland make The Fast and the Furious back in 55. Mm -hmm. Roger Corman made this whole series of films about outlaw car culture, about car racing, and it's just a little bit of a couple of steps away from that culture to the culture that we see in the Fast Five films. Yeah, these movies, they're well made, the effects is good, the action sequences in some instances Mm -hmm. such as Fast Five, nothing can top that thing with them two cars driving through (laughs) with that big ass bank ball bouncing behind. It's it's one of those scenes that I look at and I say, my god, how did they film this? I have no idea. Yeah, it's just joy drop. I recommend the series highly. If you haven't seen it, most of you out there probably have seen it already. Mm -hmm. If you haven't, go ahead and get it and rent it on a Saturday afternoon. Right, It's a pretty good series. Now it's time for the administrative. Okay, let's see. Which keeps getting longer and longer. I know, we have to cut this Okay, Whether you love us, whether you hate us, whether you want to say that (laughs) you actually thought... I was about to say something else. You actually thought that Lucas... (laughs) You actually thought that Lucas Black should have been in all the roles in all the Fast Five films? No. There are a number of ways you can reach us. You can send us an email to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at Earth-2.net. You can join our Facebook page. Go to Facebook, type in Better in the Dark group. Duh. Ask to join us. Derek and I check this several times a day. Derek to apparently post more pictures of hot women than I think is humanly allowed elsewhere. <laughs> including this picture of Alyssa Milano dressed as Carl Witch. Okay, it's not Alyssa Milano, but that's the first thing I thought of. I ain't getting no complaints yet. Uh, am I complaining? Nobody's Although complaining. the thing I find funny is that you post that picture of Sarah Silverman. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> and, and David White made that joke about I didn't know she was Orthodox, and the sad thing was I knew immediately what he was talking about. <laughs> why is that sad? Because it's the kind of information that is, why do I have that information? A lot of people, yeah. And I'm not going to spoil it for anything. If you don't yeah. know tough, you just don't know. I remember when I told Patricia about yeah. that. She thought I was, she You're said, joking. You're joking. That can't be true. And I know it myself because I have Jewish friends. Yes. Who have told me about this certain thing that, yeah. and I said, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. If you don't know what we're talking about, Google it. One thing that always cracks me up about when I post these pictures, yeah. and I make it a point not to say who it is, because to me, that's part of the fun. I like to see who people know yeah. who it is. And we just recently, there was a picture of classic Raquel Welch. Yes. That put up, and somebody had said, Who's this? And we had one member of our board, and he knows yes. who he is. Every time I put up a picture, he always said, Well, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? Who's this? And then when the picture of Raquel Welch is up, he said, How could anybody not know who Raquel Welch is? Well, yeah. man, you don't know 90% of who I put up. Well, what are you talking and about? You know, if you're going, Who's this? Who's this? Who's this? Maybe you should be posting some pictures of people you know. Yeah. We all remember how few people actually answered my rallying call on my birthday, ladies and 
and gentlemen. Yes, his birthday. Tom asked people to post. That was my present from the Better in the Dark fan base. And who answered? I did. I know you did. I gave you Kristen Bell. Bell. Beautiful picture of Kristen Bell. Oh, that was beautiful. I gave you classic Pam Greer with the shotgun. Mm -hmm. You gave us Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson, yeah. Which gave to a whole debate about whether she was valid, and I'm like, you shut your mouth. Yeah. You shut your mouth. Listen, is she hot? Yes. Yes. And there's one person who posted a picture yesterday, and once again, you know who you are. It would be a good idea if you're posting a picture of a famous hot chick to actually show us the yeah. hot chick's face, face. So we understand the joke you put under it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, man. I don't think you're that big a fan of this actress. I think she's cute. She's not a great actress. Mm-hmm. But just showing us her butt in the sand. Yeah, it's not. Not going to have the impact. Not going to have the same impact. Yes, but anyway, so join our Facebook group. Follow us on Facebook. We both use our real names, so we're not hard to find. Mm -hmm. Follow us on our blogs. Derek's is the Ferguson Theater at fergusontheater.wordpress.com. Yep, it's on WordPress. And mine is... Damn your ears, damn damn your eyes. eyes. Die, die. Die, die at Thomas-damn your I had to put the Thomas hyphen because... Somebody apparently had already registered Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes. Really? No yes. Feeling. I don't know why. I don't know where it is, but... Interesting. Also, if you have not had enough of us, you can go to a number of publishers mm-hmm. and purchase more goodies with stuff by us in it. For example, there's Pulpworks Press. It's the home of Dylan. Mm-hmm. One of the most famous new pulp characters in the movement. Absolutely. With his third novel link adventure forthcoming. Yeah, it should be out probably any day now. The editing is being done even as yeah. we talk. The cover has been done. It's in the hands of a very good artist, mm-hmm. cover design, who's been doing a lot of work for Prose Press, Sean E. Ali. Yes. And he's doing that right now, so it should be out any day. And Matter of fact, by the time you guys listen to this, it'll be yeah. about two weeks. Two it weeks, should, maybe yeah. four weeks. Right. It'll be out. And speaking of Pro Se Press, Tommy Hancock's imprint, you can go over there where the Sovereign City Project continues to grow, and you can buy the Adventures of Fortune McCall. But even before that, you can go and you can get, because Barry Reese just just said the the, uh, Lazarus Gray novel. Right, the second of the Adventures of Lazarus Gray. I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Barry, because it's a German title. It was Die Glock, which I believe is German for the clock. Yes. And in order to find out what that title means, you've got to read the, the book, book. Yeah. yeah, so by all means, you should get the first one, The Adventures of Lazarus Gray, get this one, Die Glock. Barry's actually written four. Whoa. That cat's a writing machine. So yeah. he's way ahead of the schedule. Well, he's way, yeah. Because you're working on The Return of Fortune McCall. Which will be hopefully published if I stay on what I laughingly yeah, refer to as my schedule. schedule. Yeah. It will be published in either around and November, have to around November December. My proposal notes for Tommy for the new character. You're going to jump into the yeah. deep end of the pool pretty With soon. the adventures of Dow Jones. Right. And What's a Dow Jones? You'll find out. And Tommy Hancock will be probably before And there's then. a crossover novel coming, right? Well, Tommy's got to finish his first. He's okay. got to finish the adventures of Doc Day. He's going to do that, and then the plan is after that's done... Then we will have a crossover with Fortune McCall, Lazarus Gray, right. and Doc Day. But you're the first writer. Sovereign City is going to be opened up to other writers right. after the crossover. But Tommy has extended invitation to you. Said, so yeah, yeah, go ahead what, and yeah. jump in. So yeah, because most likely by the time 
you're ready with yours. He'll be because, ready. Yeah, to, since he'll I'm, be ready with My his. main focus right now is on, which I guess it's time now that we can move to the final of our three people and salute Captain Ron Fortier. Captain Ron Fortier and his Airship 27, mm-hmm. New Roads to Hell. The first novel in the Shadow Legion series is in the pipeline. Do we got a date on it? Not yet. Okay. Right now, it's been edited. It's in Michelle's hands for the illustrations, although she's concentrating on the Domino Lady story, Bad Faith Healer, mm-hmm. that has a deadline of September 1st. Mm-hmm. So that after that, she'll get that done. And I'm working on what is going to be the second book right now, which okay. I doesn't really have a name. Now in my head, I'm calling it the Shadow Legion Case Files Volume 1, Four for Danger. Okay. Which are going to be four short stories, mm-hmm. one for each of our four protagonists. Okay. It'll act as a bridge between the first book, which takes place in 1941, and the second book, which takes place in 1966. When will we see that? Probably next year, right? Probably next year, yeah. Okay. One story is about 7,000 words, and each one's going to be 15,000 words. One is about 1,000 and change, and a couple I've just started putting the riffs down on them. Start saving your lunch money, yes. kids. <laughs> uh, also, you'll want to pick up Mystery Men and Woman Volume 3. Which features the second part of The Man Called Mongrel. And you're going to have a story in that one as well? Not that one, no. Oh, you're going to be a four? I'd probably be volume four, yeah. I thought you were going to be a three. I was concentrating on the novel. You say no more. One of the other of the Four for Danger stories is going to first be featured in Mystery Men and Women. Right. As a kind of a a palette, as a a teaser. That's why I thought you were going to be in three. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nah. That's the one that's furthest in, the the Nightbreaker story, the TikTok Men. That's about 7,000 words done. Okay. But we're about halfway done. Although the one that for some reason is speaking to me the most is the one called The Waltz in Scarlet, which is the Ferryman story. Go with your gut. Yeah. So one or the other, one of these stories will be in... Volume 4 of Mystery Men and Women. That I can definitely assure you. Um, And we also have New Adventures of Bay, which is coming up very soon, apparently. Uh, Okay, I think the schedule is there's going to be a new Black Bat anthology coming out from Airship 27. And then I think the Sinbad book is after that. Okay. So I would expect that by the time you guys are hearing this, Sinbad book will probably be out. Because as far as I know, it's like this close, and I'm holding my fingers together, my index and thumb. It's that close to being done. The stories are in. Mm -hmm. I think, actually, the only thing that has to be done is the cover. Okay. I think that's it. So I've got... 30,000 words Sinbad story in that one and yes. I think the second one is almost filled, 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 too. Almost filled yeah. too yeah. I mean there's a lot of exciting stuff coming from all three of these publishers yeah and we might as well throw out even though neither of us have anything but mm-hmm. I've been had some very pleasant interactions with Van Plexico and Ian Watson over at White Rockets White Rocket White Rocket Books because I've been doing a series of interviews at the Nocturne Travel Agency, and they're doing something really interesting. They're doing a serialized online novel for their Blackthorn series. So check them out, and check out Van's Pulp Cosmic. Yeah, he's got his own blog that's devoted to... Entirely to... Superhero pulp. Right. Which is becoming a nice little subgenre of its own in New Pulp, the Mm -hmm. whole superhero thing. There was Project Alpha, recently from Prose, but written by... Hopefully Written by by Lee Houston Jr. Hopefully by the time this comes out, I will have finally done the interview with Tommy Hancock about Yesteryear. Okay. The superhero novel that he wrote. And I did the introduction for it. Yes. 
So there's lots of stuff coming from us. Uh, Turn off the TV and start reading. Read a book. Although I really do have to get a, a low-level Kindle real soon. Mm-hmm. Because more and more of these things are being sent to me by as PHP files. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and one of the reasons why I've been dragging my feet on Tommy's interview is I don't want to sit here for, for eight hours in front of the screen. Exactly. You oh, know? yeah, absolutely. Well, you're going to sit in front of a screen one way or another yeah, if you get a way. Kindle. Yeah. <laughs> But the thing is, is the Kindle's a book-shaped screen. They got programs out there, because what I do yeah. is that I tell people, well, send me the PDF. And there's programs that convert it to Kindle format. Yeah. So if a person sends you a PDF, you can just mm-hmm. run it through this program right. and then download it to your Kindle. Because I've got something like, I don't know where my Kindle is oh, at. Is that I've, the, got, I've got something like 150 yeah. books on the damn thing. But I that's was, where I'm doing most of my pulp reading at, mm-hmm. on, see, the Kindle. I was with my mom on Sunday. I'm learning to drive, folks. And my mom has been gracious to give uh, about an hour every Sunday morning to help me practice. Mm-hmm. And then we usually go to the Arby's or Metropolitan Avenue to have, for me, it's a very early lunch for her. It's a very late breakfast. I stopped to the Radio Shack, and there is an off-brand Kindle-style thing mm-hmm. that they're now selling under $50. Yeah. I- I'm trying to debate whether I want to hold that a little bit longer and get the color one. If I was you, I'd wait until around Christmas time because the price of them things is dropping like the Titanic, man. Yeah. I'm pretty sure at this point that when Shadow Legion comes out, that's where my money's going to be made, mm-hmm. is in the PDF downloads and the Kindle files right? and the Nook files. There's actually going to be very little, although I'm probably going to have a book release party already set up. Okay. My friends over at the Avenue have already said, when the book is announced, let us know, we'll set it up. Oh, cool. We're going to have over in Glendale, and Michelle and I are going to do a couple of shows, so I'm going to buy a bunch yeah. of hard copies, but I know for a fact that the bulk of people are going to be buying those Kindle things. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not even questionable anymore. Mm. When it first started out, people said, well, do I really need to have a Kindle version? Yeah. There's no question. Yes, you do. I know that people will ask, yeah. okay, what do you do? Well, I write and I wrote this book and I wrote this one. This one. The first question they're going to ask me, is it available for the Kindle? Yeah. That's the one well, question. Well, on yeah. top of that, you've got the fact that because the Kindle version is usually going to be about $3, right. it restores what made paperback books so prevalent in the 50s. It mm-hmm. becomes an impulse buy to buy a book. Yeah, because back then, you and I both were old enough to remember when paperback books, folks, and, and you had a paperback that you could buy like yeah. 150 paperback books with 50, 60, 75 cents. Yeah. So a lot of times you would go to a bookstore and you look at a book and they had those gorgeous covers. You would say, hey, what the hell? It's 75 yeah. cents. Let me get, or even like a buck 25 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I have had some people that have emailed me and have said, because I give away the voice voting that's free for your kindle or your nook folks go to smash words although if you've got the mm-hmm. voice of odin free i think it's only fair that you buy legend of the golden bell and when it comes out pirates is an aria but wait a minute but a lot of people have told me that based on the fact that they read that thing free they've even went and got the paperback version of it to uh, put on their bookshelf okay. or they said let me go get this guy's mm-hmm. book because now i've read this yeah. i know he can write and let me go on. just like a drug dealer the first one's for free i got into a debate on facebook yeah. Yeah. not long ago with some other writers that were saying if you don't value your work that's you and but i value my work i'm not giving it away anything for free. That's okay. I understand that reasoning but myself. But the thing is, you made money off of Voice of Odin already. Well, yeah, it's a 13-year-old book, exactly. for God's no, sake. one thing to offer for free... Okay, I will admit that when we get close enough to the release date, I'm probably going to offer a portion of the first chapter yeah. on the Nocturne Travel Agency for free. Right, of course, yeah. But that's just a taste. Or I'm probably going to offer the first half of one of these short stories. Right. 
talking about a 13-year-old book. So I see it's not killing. So I've made my money off of it. As much money as I'm going to make yeah. off of it. It's not going to kill me to give it away free. Right. And if it does provide the incentive for somebody to go out and buy one That's of right. my other books, hey, what's the hurt? Exactly. It's got to be the choice of every individual writer as to what yeah. you want to do. But I knew I was not going to get rich. I'm not like Barry Reese who keeps a solid gold Cadillac hidden in his basement. I do hope to get rich off of it someday. Yeah. But I mean, hey, giving away a free book didn't hurt the drug dealers yeah. to do it. <laughs> didn't, didn't hurt the drug dealers at didn't all. Didn't hurt the crack dealers to give it away. And this is what this show is about. Starting out about high-level commentary about senseless tragedies and ending with us making similes about us being drug dealers. By being, yes, yes. Sounds like better in the dark. And this podcast would be very much like a drug deal if only you people paid for stuff afterwards. <laughs> Let's wrap this up because we got 2.20 and we got another episode. Yeah, okay. We're recording today, uh, folks, so we gotta get through two okay. more episodes. Until next time. Let's see if I can do this. When you might be driving down a Brazilian road and encounter the rock who's looking through her GPS chip that'll lead you to some guy who's pretending to be a Cuban, but he's actually from Texas, who wants to put you undercover with a Raquel Welch wannabe lookalike in a street race against the baldest man on earth. Go, Go see, see that, that movie. movie. Good night. Good night. God bless. And then we're going to have a barbecue. <laughs> and everybody's going to be invited. Wait, Only if they went to church. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, God. I know where that's from. Good night. Good night. Well, this is a bust. Not going to be able to get his fingerprints out here. Need to do some more recon. Call in a couple extra guys. Or you don't send a man to do a woman's job. You can listen to Better in the Dark, featuring Thomas E. Jan Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Andy and Michael of Hey Kids Comics, John S. Drew of The Chronic Rift, John of The Hollywood Gauntlet, Eric Froman, of course, and the lovely members of the Better in the Dark Facebook page. Better in the Dark has never used Nas, although there are times, especially after a particularly filling Tex-Mex meal, where it feels like it has. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at Earth-2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com, and don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at www.b-hyphen.com. Better in the Dark is a conspiracy productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright, Thomas E. Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that if you lose, you will surrender your loyalty to other podcasts to us. Cause me professional Make you shake your cats up Thank you Haters make you personal Like a comet that tight Let's all now Don't own Let's go Not not you My money Let's all Got such kitchen My oven Let's go Let's go To he level up Level color Let's go Let's go Need you Go 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 So you know each other? He's to date my sister You're a lucky man How's that? You're still breathing <laughs>